Yo, what's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Downtime with Downstar, episode 155. And today we are here with Alfredo Mancuso of On Some Shit. You did it perfect, man. People like butcher that. And even though it's phonetic, people really butcher that. I try, man. Look, just, looking, just looking at it, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh man. Yeah. But once you break it down, mm-hmm. you know, I had to tap into like my, my fifth grade skills. I saw you clapping, so I assumed that's what you were doing. This, you know, like when you do the syllables. Yeah. <laughs> Mancuso. There you go. Boom. Fredo, thank you for coming, man. I appreciate it. No problem, thank man. Thank you for this. Thank mask, you for having dude. me. This is super sick to be out here. <laughs> thank you, we dude. should probably take them off for the this the audio just because hey, they sure look you guys, badass. But make sure you guys pick them up on some shit.com. Thank you, sir. Of course, man. <laughs> oh, all right, there we go. I love it. I cool. love it. Oh, it's stuck to my ear. There we go. <sighs> dude, thank you so much for coming, bro. I appreciate yeah, it. I'd pound you, no homo, but you know, <laughs> it's one of those things right now. Yeah, it's you know what's so weird, dude, mm-hmm. in, in these times right now, it's like I still feel rude not embracing somebody mm-hmm. or, you know, shaking their hand or something, but... <laughs> I've been doing the bow. Yeah. I do the foot one sometimes. That one's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I do that. It's the, the Rona tap, man. Yeah, there it is. But uh, thank you for coming, bro. Mm-hmm. I really, really appreciate it. So for people that aren't familiar with you, can you give us just a quick breakdown of who you are and what you do? So uh, as you said eloquently, my name is Alfredo Mancuso. I'm Italian and Argentine, so when people always ask, like, what are you, man? Because they're yeah. like, you look white. Like, bueno, la verdad, soy argentino. Si oh, shit. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, that was actually my first language. I learned English from uh, uh, Sesame Street. Oh, wow. My mom was like, all right, when you go into my household, you only speak Spanish. Yeah. Or we speak Castile, to be proper. Uh-huh. Um, and when you're outside, all English. So, paid off dividends right now. You know, like, yeah. I'll be at a restaurant, somebody will be dissing, and I'm like, hey, I... puta. You know, like, <laughs> say some shit. Yeah. But, uh, it's, uh, essentially, I'm from uh, born and raised in LA, and uh, I grew up in Watts, California, which was, I think, top ten most dangerous places in America, especially in the era that I was growing up. Yeah, um, the '90s, Watts riots, all that kind of good stuff. And then uh, <clears throat> when I was like 13 years old, my dad passed away, which basically forced my mom to like move us from Watts to Lakewood, like a suburb of Long Beach. And then from there. Um, I mean, the majority of my upbringing was like in Lakewood, Long Beach. And then I moved to LA because of the awesome shit store. Yeah. So uh, I guess I skipped around a little bit, but essentially throughout that, uh, when my dad passed, I put all my energy and focus into BMX riding. And essentially like within like two and a half, almost three years, I I got to turn professional for BMX. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like what guided the rest of my path up until this day. And over the last few years, I've been living in more of like the hollywood area because we got a store on melrose um under the brand on some shit which goes back to bmx you know when people see you doing crazy stuff they're like man you guys must be on some shit (laughs) kind of you know yeah uh and that's where i'm at today so uh essentially bmx rider uh got into like making content for bmx so i was helping with the camera then one day i just literally decided to like flip it around and do like the little selfie thing and that kind of took off and i was chatting with you earlier I ended up doing, I think the exact number was like 409 episodes or something like that in a row. Oh my God. I think I skipped and I, it wasn't even like a true skip. I think there was two days where I couldn't upload because of like internet issues. So mm. like I missed the midnight deadline. And when you're doing something so crazy like that, people are really like, no man, he missed a day. So it doesn't really count, <laughs> which, you know, yeah. I, don't, I don't really care so much, but it's, it's one of those things that I don't know if you've tried things like, like let's say a diet, right? It's, it's easier to do something 100% of the time than it is to do it like 90% of the yeah. time. You know what I mean? So when I get into something, I really get into it. So when I started doing YouTube, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to bang this out. And like, 
I did. And then I went crazy. Got a little bit of gray hair everywhere. <laughs> and, you know, at some point I was just like on autopilot, literally. Yeah. And I don't even know where, like, I'll like look at videos like you were playing one earlier and I'll just be like, I filmed that. I was like, I don't remember any of that stuff. But yeah, that's where we're at today. That's crazy, man. There's so much to unpack, dude. Um, yep. You know, it was uh, this guy Christian from uh, Honda, Honda Vlogs. Vlogs. Yeah. yeah. So the, the funny part is like, growing up, uh, I always like, you know, you heard that saying, like when you meet your idols, like they always kind of disappoint you. Yeah. So there's two things about that. Like when I was coming up as a BMX rider, I didn't really even think I was ever going to turn pro or make anything of it. I just wanted to be really good. So I would just like ride my ass off because you see some people in like skate videos and you're like, oh man, in this video, he does everything perfect every time. And then when you meet him in real life, you're like, oh, you can't land shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wanted to be really dialed. So I try to focus on everything I do. I can almost do it almost every time, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing too was like, I just remember those people were like, disappoint me when i when i met them Mm -hmm. so one thing i really pay attention to and i really wanted to focus on was just being nice to kids that look up to you or just even like don't know much about the sport want to learn about it and then same thing with your fans you know like engage with them you know talk to them answer their dms sometimes it gets crazy like you'll get hundreds of dms sometimes you might get a couple but you know you got to put yourself in their position they're like reaching out to you which is scary and sometimes these other pros or industry people whatever like you could see nowadays they've seen it you know yeah and they don't respond to it. just like it just do something a little, a little engagement every once yeah. in a while like obviously you have millions of fans that's impossible probably but you know go around and just pick some random ones and do it well lo and behold one day honda vlogs dm me was like yo man i see what you're doing with like these like news segments you should probably do more of them i do them on my channel honda vlogs and he's like you know what man my homie frank he's doing a podcast you should go podcast with him and it, it happened at like the right time because again like it's one of those things where it's like a symbiotic relationship so like if you address your the people that look up to you, your fans or whatnot you know sometimes you're going through the lows and yeah. a message from a fan really does help reinvigorate you and at the time i kind of took a little hiatus from vlogging and like just youtube content in general because like i wasn't like a tumultuous place in my life so when he dm me i was like you know what this would be a good idea i haven't done a podcast in years literally and i've only done two other ones ever both with adam uh from no jumper and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this one. I haven't done one in a long time. You seem like a super cool dude. You had just done the sheepy one. Yeah. Uh, you done the human made one, but a bunch of cool ones that I, I liked. So I was like, you know what? Yeah, man, let's, let's do this. So shout out to Christian from Honda Vlogs for doing yeah, this. Yeah, no, definitely, man. He's, uh, he's always helping me out, mm-hmm. you know, um, in my DMs, um, you know, uh, just complimenting the podcast, listening right. to it, giving me feedback because mm-hmm. that's what I need right. all the time. You know, um, especially with podcasting and vlogging and things like that, it helps when you get the uh, feedback 100. from the people watching it. And everybody that gives me feedback on it, I really, really appreciate it. And then some people they'll they'll send us guests like, "Hey, right. check out this guy." Mm-hmm. You know, so um, that's the cool thing about the internet. And like now more than ever, now that we're going through this crisis, this whole pandemic, you know, I think that this is going to be a wide like an opening for a lot of people's eyes that we've been losing community yeah. you know what i mean as humans we should be building towards community because you ever heard that saying standing on the shoulders of giants mm-hmm. so for those of you guys that don't know it just essentially means that there was somebody that came before us and the reason that we're so advanced at this point in our life is because we basically learned and use other people as a platform to get to where we're at well it's the same thing for everything we're doing now you know like Again, it's like a feedback loop. So you put out content and someone might DM you and be like, hey man, I really like the way you're doing this, but I noticed that you always like smack your teeth or something annoying, you know? And like, I'm yeah. like, oh, you're right. <laughs> you know, so like I really work hard on that kind of stuff. Another thing going back to like making a ton of videos yeah. in a row, I hate editing a bunch of random stuff that I don't have to. So I got 
pretty good at being eloquent and not making little clicks or the saying the mm or the yeah. like, you know, like yeah. what I just did right yeah. there. But it's one of those things where, again, the feedback loop from the community and like if you go and give them something, they're going to give something in return. And I think it's Gary Vee's always like left, left, you know, like jab, jab, right hook, you know, mm-hmm. like you give away a lot of content. They're going to give you their understanding their feedback their perspective and then now it's a little community you know? yeah i love it man and there's uh there's a small group of people that you know when we put out an episode i get up in the morning and look and there's maybe 50 60 streams on it already mm-hmm. right and that's dope to me because that's about 50 60 people that are starting their day right. with the podcast just like i started with like joe budden podcast or something oh you like listen that. to him oh hell dude. yeah dude so adam and i uh again adam 22 from no jumper uh, when we would, used to take like long car rides, we used to listen to Combat Jack, mm-hmm. uh, Joe Budden, uh, and then Joe Rogan before like be- he became like the biggest podcaster in the world. Yeah. And I- Adam got lucky to interview a couple of those dudes, and um, I'm sure at some point he's going to go on the Joe Rogan podcast because yeah. his is gaining so much traction as well. But it's cool to like think that like you know again standing on the shoulders of giants, we're looking up to these dudes, and sometimes it's crazy to think that some of them might be watching your content. You know one crazy person might be watching this like i always say that adam is followed by drake yeah and then adam has posted me on a story so at some point drake <laughs> has seen me i've existed in drake's eyes you know like, it's kind of crazy and then now about. you're here now now i'm here Drizzy, with you what up <laughs> yeah you, see, you never know you never know yeah no definitely and uh speaking of adam he's actually one that's really motivated me because it's given me a direct path that somebody's come mm-hmm. from the bike community right i'm coming from the automotive community which arguably that is possibly a bigger community, oh 100 yeah you Not know arguably. and then taking that and then turning that into a podcast and right. then getting a being able to uh you know talk with uh artists and things like that that's what i want to do because that's the reason that i started the podcast you know i've been doing downstar for the last 10 years now mm. and just like anything it just gets repetitive right besides this year where everything just got messed up every single year i know where i'm gonna be in may june july august every single month i'm gonna be here mm. and it, it's it's a pleasure that I get to do that, but then it's kind of not that I already know what my schedule is going to be, you know? So but then again, let's not take that for granted. You know? Yeah, because no. now with all this, you don't necessarily 100% know. A lot of yeah, the events no, that is... I thought I was going to go to this year, a lot of, and that's, again, the awakening. It's kind of like, well, man, everything gets snatched away from you. Like yeah. there's people that had the best job that they ever wanted in their life, and now they don't know if they're going to go back next year. Yeah, Monday. no, definitely, man. And this is... Uh, so I was doing the automotive stuff and then I've always been into podcasts, but it was just like a little side thing that I did. You mm-hmm. know, I listen to podcasts and then I've just always wanted to start my own. Right. And it was just like, yo, you just got to do it. Right. And you're already uh, doing a great job, it. man. Thank so you. I appreciate it. I've gotten to see people from like their inception to like where they're at now. And the only thing that differentiates all of them is just like the work that they put into it. Yeah. You know? When I started writing, when I started getting into business, into YouTube, whatever, I wasn't necessarily naturally talented at any of it. I just knew that I was going to out hustle everybody around me. I was just going to put my heart and soul into everything. And at some point it's going to happen. You know, a broken clock is right twice a day. So you can either get lucky or you can just work your ass off and just hope that with enough work, you'll get better at it. But you also have to kind of like going back to the feedback loop is like be open to criticism and and knowing how to change things and pivoting. And that's super important. I don't know if you knew this, but YouTube was originally a dating company didn't work really so they pivoted and made it a video company look at it now same wow. thing with uh post-it notes 
that used to be a company for adhesive, but it didn't work good. Well, it works really good when you make up note and the adhesive doesn't ruin your stuff, but you can still take it off, you know? So pivoting is really important in life. Yeah. So you were speaking about out hustling uh, over 400 episodes mm -hmm. in a row. Where do you think that that comes from, that grind, that hustle? Coming from the fam like, you know, my family comes from originally Italy. They moved to Argentina. And then my dad, like, met my mom, which is a cool story. She, uh, my dad's side, um, it's pretty successful at business. And they essentially make picture frames, like all the elements to a picture frame. So okay. they get, they source the wood, they cut it down, they, they make the molding, they get the glass, they get all that stuff. My mom's side of the family is very poor. Uh -huh. And they assembled the picture frames. So one day, my, my aunt sent my dad to go deliver some product to my other aunt, which yeah. is my mom's sister. And my dad met my mom there and he, my dad was like a playboy. Yeah, I think at the time he must have been like 50, 52, something like that. And my mom was like in her 30s. Mm -hmm. And like my mom, my dad like swooned my mom. And then like months later, he's like, move to America with me. And my mom was like, but you don't know English. You, you don't know anybody there. Like, what are you gonna do? He's like, we'll figure it out. So they jumped on a plane and got out here, right? Wow. And they had me, and then two years later, they had my little brother, which is Man Cobra, that yeah. a lot of people now in the car industry know. And <clears throat> growing up, you know, I didn't know this like until way later, but when my dad first got here, it's like any small community, you know, like people, like let's say Argentine people, there's a tiny niche of Hispanic people, which is like a big group, you know? So they try and find each other. Well, my dad ended up finding the wrong Argentine dude that ended up scamming him out of his money. So my dad almost had nothing left. Wow. So he basically utilized the last bit of money he had, bought this old little pickup truck. And then from like the South Central area, he would drive to Beverly Hills and he would collect cardboard. And then he would recycle that every yeah. day. And I remember like growing up, I probably was like nine or 10. I would, I would go with him and it was crazy because like he had this old little beat up truck and he would make like these big wooden planks on the sides and he'd collect all the yeah. cardboard, right? Compact it down. And then we would drive through all these like very rich areas and we would go through the street. Uh, and I remember like it was like yesterday and it was like, there's a Ralph's and my dad would turn left into this alleyway and go all the way down and it would dead end. And it was a school. And I just always remember, like I used to have nightmares. This is really random, but I used to have nightmares that my dad would leave me in the truck while he would go get the cardboard and it was a stick shift. And in my nightmares, the truck used to move forward and just fall down this crazy like hill. Yeah. And that terrorized me because a couple times my dad got out of the truck, forgot to put it in park <laughs> and it did like move forward. And I was like, dad, you're, you know, you're a little kid that I was like, oh man, it'll drive you crazy. So I think I had one of those nightmares like not that long ago, wow. random. But so fast forward to where I'm at now, when we opened our store, I one day was walking down this alleyway and I looked up and it was at school. My dad used to drive through the same alleyways where I had my store. No way. And it was Fairfax High. That's where my dad would churn. And our store was diagonal from Fairfax High. So essentially the same alleyways where my dad would go and collect people's garbage and like go through it and bring us. Essentially, like he would go and recycle that, get money. Or sometimes he would even go to Ralph's and they would just gift them like fruit and vegetable. You know, so that same place of affluence is where I ended up getting a store all throughout like kind of one event to another to the next the next that led up to us saving up enough money to open the yeah. store on melrose it just really like came full circle so it was pretty crazy yeah it's crazy when stuff like that happens yeah especially yeah. when you realize it you know you're like oh man this clicked it's crazy yeah and that's how i feel about relationships too like mm -hmm. you were saying about opening dms and talking to right. you know, your supporters and things like that you know um i i really took that to heart uh, maybe like a few years ago mm -hmm. and it was just 
realized that you know people that i expected to be in my corner weren't mm-hmm. but then you have all of these supporters that you don't even know who they are mm-hmm. they're always showing support so it re- really opened my eyes to where my attention should be right you know and um you know most of the m- most important uh relationships i have to this day i can take that all the way back to where we met and if i didn't make that introduction if they didn't if i was a dick you know we would have never had all of those you know 10 plus years of relationship i think it is super important too to engage with people first because you don't know what they're going through you don't know if they're nervous to meet you you don't know if they know you or don't know you whatever it's it's just super nice to introduce yourself you know like i always go up to a group like hey what's up guys alfredo whatever Sometimes people don't give a crap. Sometimes they'll nod. Sometimes they'll come and say what's up. But it's just better to open that door versus when you go somewhere and you're going through something and someone looks at you and you kind of just give them the head nod or whatever. They're like, they might know who you are. Yeah. And they might be like, oh, he cool guide me. When in reality, you were just like having your own day. You're in your own zone. Like I put my headphones on. I go to the skate park and I'll do my own thing. But I like to engage with them at least at the beginning just to let them know like, hey, I acknowledge you. You know, like don't think I'm a dick. I'm just. I only have 30 minutes to ride. And in those 30 minutes, I'm going to take 45 laps. So just I'll be over there. Yeah. Have you always been so outgoing? Oh, man. Yeah, I think I got like, you know, in like the little like middle school and then later on in high school, like in the yearbook at the end, I said like most likely to I was like most likely to be a class clown, Mm. most likely to, to do all these things. And like, I guess because going back to the Watts thing, I grew up in an area where there was not one single Caucasian person, right? And then it was predominantly African-American and Mexican, like straight up. So they always thought I was white. Mm-hmm. So they would pick on me. I remember getting bullied from like probably the first grade all the way up to like maybe the sixth grade around that time. And they would call me like white out and Casper. And like one dude really hated me. You know, like when you have that bully in your head and he, you remember his name, Matthew Cifuentes. And, uh, <laughs> dude, he, I would walk and he would just kick, kick me from behind. I would like stumble and stuff. And then... My mom is like a super, like, my mom's like literally Mother Teresa, and her name is Teresa. She's uh-huh. like a saint. Like, if you ever meet her, whoever has been fortunate to meet her, she's literally like a living saint. And I would tell my mom, and she's like, oh, you know, like, Dios los va castigar, which means like, you know, God will punish them. You just do your own thing, yeah. ignore them, be nice to them. But I think that's what made me kind of like become outgoing and, and just be very witty. And like, I always in my head have like an insult. And when someone like says something to me, in my head, I have the insult ready to, you know, cock back and fire. Yeah. But now I'm like, oh, is it worth it doing that? But in my head, I'll giggle. I'm like, I know what I was going to say about you. You know, like <laughs> it's just one of those things where you get into the situation, you're sizing someone up. Well, in my head, I'm like making a joke about them. But that was, I think, like my defense mechanism yeah. of getting bullied. So it just made me like outgoing and like, you know, kind of want to engage with people and at the same time, like show them my worth as my intelligence or my wit, which drove my teachers crazy because like I would finish my work before anyone mm-hmm. just so I can make jokes. But then the teacher would be like, oh, your work's wrong. Oh, damn, you got 100% again. You know, like, that's <laughs> yeah. what, like, that was my cap. So they were like, oh, man, all right. Well, so they had to figure out, just keep me busy, keep me busy. This is why I brought this Rubik's Cube. Sometimes I'll just, like, I have so much ADD, so much energy that I need to be doing something. So I'll solve this Rubik's Cube over and over and really? just, like, chat. And this one my girlfriend gave me for Christmas. It's, like, the coolest Rubik's Cube. It's all these shapes. So, like, yeah, that's I bring it anywhere and people are like, what the hell is that? I'm like, it's a Rubik's Cube. And, like, and they're like, oh, I don't know what to do with this, you know? But, I can't even do a regular one once you get good at the regular one you'll understand how to do that one but this one is still really hard because some of the shapes just don't want to get in place but see there's my add like i'll start on one tangent go to the next one go to this one go to that one so i've always wanted to like do a podcast yeah. and then i just know like don't do the podcast because you're going to talk about 30 hours about nothing like you're just going to go in circles 
So today I made a conscious effort. Like, all right, focus. Cut yourself off after like two, three minutes. Like, go back to the topic. We, we, we want to see the real you, bro. Don't worry about it, man. This is the real me. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I it's love just, it. It's just more of a focus me. Because yeah. if you, you know how like we all think differently. I've talked to a lot of my friends and I think way differently than a lot of them. Like, I still haven't found like a lot of like people that are in the same wavelength where like, yeah. I, I don't tell them everything. I'm like, you're going to think I'm crazy. Like, unfortunately everything that's happening right now i already knew was going to happen like not in like a, oh i could see the future but it just kind of like the steps that it was taking like like two weeks ago i was like yeah. oh we're getting quarantined we're getting this we're going that and i was already prepared for that stuff you know what i mean and i tell my friends <laughs> same thing with the stock market i'm telling my friends like do this do that and they're like what no i'm like okay and then a week later they're like dude what do i do again i'm like no 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 now you missed that train <laughs> before before you get out of here today i mm -hmm. want to use your code for the Robin Hood. Oh, you should. And Dude, I want to get it's on It's not that. a joke. Like, if you guys have Robin Hood at home, ask me. It's on my Instagram story. As soon as you sign up, I get a free stock. You get a free stock. They're not very, they're not worth a lot right now. They're four or five bucks. But right now, we're going to hit the lowest of the low. So it's one of those things where you just throw it over there in the bank and you don't think about it. And two or three years from now, some of those stocks could have skyrocketed to maybe even a hundred bucks. You don't yeah. know that. And that's just one stock you get for free. Then once you start doing your little due diligence, you know, you can start seeing some other stocks, throw 10 bucks, throw 15 bucks, and just pretend you threw it away. Just pretend it's over there. And then check back like a year later. You'll thank me then. Dude, yeah, definitely. Um, if you remember, uh, no, I, I, want, I, I want to do it. Besides because, talking a lot, I also have a really good memory. So good. I'll just be like, oh, I love it. I have a terrible now. memory. It's just practice, for some I things, think, you know? For some things. Yeah. But see, that's, that's sometimes it's like, is it really your memory? Is it that you are just not focused sometimes? You know, like if you really take it in fully, then I think you'll... You'll, you'll realize you have a pretty decent memory. So let's go ahead and get into where you said that you knew this was coming. Let me tell you my side sure. and then see if there's any parallels. I know exactly where you're going okay, too. Right. Because my mom had it too. Uh, well, well, I'm I'm a very, uh, very conspiracy mm -hmm. focused kind of person. Right. Not that that's the way that I think, but mm -hmm. me as a person, I understand that when we're given a, a fact, mm -hmm. there's maybe a reason why we were given that fact, but that might not be right the the true do you fact. mean like misdirection exactly Correct. you know so i've uh i always go on reddit and things like that and i seen where things were going in mm -hmm. china i've right. seen it spawn from when they were showing the videos of the first uh elderly people just passed out mm -hmm. on the floor right. to uh where they were running out of supplies running out and it just got insane let me ask you a question right now because it's going to get to that point i just want to like yeah. see where you're at with this do you think that hollywood creates movies based out of nothing or do you think that they create movies and then that's kind of how things end up happening or do you think that somebody knows something um i think that a lot of these movies they're just not out of the air mm -hmm. you know I, I think that we're kind of being programmed to think a certain way I agree. you know especially with shows like the walking dead right you know how, how's that show going to be the one of the most popular shows ever and we're we're on the same track mm -hmm. right now, you know, except with a this disease instead of being a zombie. But Correct. if people start turning into zombies, then another you know, side note. <laughs> my brain. You know that zombies actually can't happen. Really? But not the way in the movies. Yeah. There's a strand of malaria that literally kills part of your brain, but not uh -huh. all of it. So there you still have some motor functions. That's where zombies came from. Like the, the whole premise of of a zombie is like you're not going and attacking and eating people. That's that yeah. they added that, you know? But you can be kind of like a living zombie where you're kind of still like some functions and then shortly you die it doesn't last yeah. for a very long time but that's where it all kind of spawned from i always see them outside of starbucks they're there mm, early yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're early in the morning coffee is legal crack you ever got an anxiety have you ever gotten that 
Uh, not an anxiety ever? attack, but I ever do have, I have an anxiety. Never in my life had I had it until two months ago. And it's because I didn't even realize I slammed like five coffees that day on an empty stomach. <laughs> oh, so I didn't, shit. So nothing, right? And I literally am with one of my business partners and we're talking about something. And I literally looked at him and froze. And I was like, dude, you got to take me to the hospital. And he's like, you're white, which made it worse. And, I was like, oh, oh, oh. and then he's like, here, drink this. He gave me a bunch of stuff. And I started drinking water and I started relaxing. I was like, oh my God. I used to think anxiety was a myth. Yeah. Like no offense to anybody out there. It's not that I didn't believe you. I didn't know how bad it was. It's, I don't wish it on you, but if you ever do experience it, you'll think back to this moment or another moment where you saw someone else with an attack. And you'll be like, dude, I feel for you. Yeah. It's no, crippling. Yeah, I have I've never had an anxiety attack to that point, but um I, I definitely do have anxiety. I take a, a CBD drops, like okay. I have it with me next right, to my right. wallet all the time. But uh back back to uh Reddit, you know? <laughs> Reddit. So about like mid-January, I'm watching everything unfold and nobody has a clue because only a certain uh, a certain amount of weirdos are just doing mm -hmm. that that kind of stuff right. you know and then i see it going crazy and then um then i see it start spreading to other countries and i'm just like yo this is coming guys this, mm -hmm. it's not gonna stop just because we're the mighty mm -hmm. us of a things right. are not just gonna stop here and especially us being so close to los angeles and a lot of you know business gets done in los angeles traveling to china and things like that i knew it was gonna get to this point and i had this conversation with so many close people to me and they just didn't believe me you know i stocked up probably three weeks ago mm -hmm. the shelves were full of everything right. i went over there and i filled up the car with water and supplies and things like that and i've done it maybe three times until then and it's not until like two days ago that my dad's calling me and telling me you should do this i'm like dude i told you about this right. two weeks ago and you were laughing at yeah. me one of the worst things is that when you're right, it's, you know, you have to like literally not say, I told you so, you know, it's because then you look like, like you're a jerk. So you got to be like, okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got two ply roll, you know, roll <laughs> toilet paper I can send you, you know, yeah. You know. yeah, but um, I just always like to keep my ear to the streets and try mm -hmm. to see what's going on in, in society, right. you know, and kind of playing chess and saying okay well maybe this is gonna affect us somehow or maybe this or what have you but as far as things are right now i'm not sure it's where it's gonna go i feel like we're going towards martial law just because a lot of people aren't taking it as seriously you know leaving my house to come to work maybe about a 10 minute drive and if i didn't know what was going on i wouldn't think that anything was wrong did you see anything about jared leto no okay so I've heard this from a couple friends. Um, so a couple friends really know him. He essentially runs a cult. Mm -hmm. Like he's a very charming, very talented human. So you can see where he can kind of like manipulate yeah. people who stuff thing, do stuff. Uh, well, he was recently on like a 12-day meditation cult thing. Mm -hmm. And he just came back. And he didn't know anything was happening right now. So he's like, what the heck is going on, you know? But from what I remember, and I probably can't fully tell this story, but I'll, t I'll give you some details. He is friends with Elon Musk. Uh -huh. And Leto basically tosses some girls. Just like, yo, I got these girls, like the super hottest girls ever. And he has like this like spell on them. And he'll just be like, oh, let me introduce you to my other successful ass friend, Elon Musk. Yeah. Like, Here you go. But now Elon's dating some girl Grimes that my girlfriend informed me about the other day. So I don't know how that, that still is happening. But just one of those things that like, what you're, I live in Hollywood and I've, I've been in LA my whole life. So you know someone that knows someone that knows someone and you know, that someone might be someone that everyone's like, oh my God, that, you know that guy? I'm like, no, 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 not me. 
My homie knows it. <laughs> I just know some good stuff. Yeah. Mind if I grab some of this pear? Go ahead, bro. I got that one Thank for Thank you so you, much man. for getting this for me. Which what flavor do you got me? Grapefruit fire. Yeah, so course. if you guys are ever interested in the keto diet, just one thing that you'll really learn is looking at labels and just seeing like what is in a lot of the stuff we eat. And man, there's so much bad stuff and all the stuff that we consume. Yeah. But just do your due diligence. Like, look at this. I'm like, okay, zero sugar. Good. I'm in. Yeah, I was watching uh, one of your videos and you spoke about being keto and then you, you mentioned that. And that's the same reason that I drink is because I stopped drinking soda probably at least like five years ago. That's awesome. And um, it's I, delicious. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I used to drink a two liter a day. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> well, this energy, something has to keep it up. You know, like for a long time, people were like, man, that guy must be a cokehead. I have never done cocaine in my life. I don't need it. Yeah. It's already in my blood. Like I'm already like juiced up. This sugar I just loved. And now with this, it makes me feel like I'm still drinking a sugar or a beer or whatever. I could just pretend. And I'm like, oh man, this is delicious. Yeah. But it has nothing bad So when did you give up uh, soda? Is it when you started keto? I've been trying to on and off for a long time. But then, you know, you go eat with your parents or your friends or somebody and somebody will have a Coke there. And I'm just like, oh man. Yeah. So last year, no, it's been two years now. I just decided, you know what? No, now is the time. Like I'm, I'm over 30 now. I really have to focus on this. So I just cut it out. I was yeah. like, you know what? And again, going back to that hundred percent rule, if you don't do it, cause if you do a little Coke, not, not that kind, you do, if you drink <laughs> a little bit of Coca-Cola, then you want a little more Coca-Cola, yeah. then you want something else, you know? So it's just better off. Just, just stay right there. What about this dog? Uh, um, vanilla Coke right now. I'm, my foot's tapping, I'm starting to sweat, and you know, I'm like that episode of Key and Peele where you're just like sweating bullets, can't see things, yeah. My my wife, she uh, she drinks soda, and she'll get a vanilla Coke every once in a while, and I'm like, oh my god, I want that. The best things, like the the most fire flavors, and just like the experience you get are probably usually the worst things oh, for definitely. you, you know what I mean? Like, so <laughs> I'm not against it fully, like every once in a while you can do it, you know, but it's just yeah. excess, like when you do anything in excess, I mean... You, even drinking water, you know, you can kill yourself by drinking too much water. Yeah. That really happens. It literally will thin out your blood. That's yeah. if you drink like more than, I think, three or four gallons in a day. That's a lot, dude. I could barely do one. Oh, man. yeah. It's hard. I got to be super disciplined. You really want to kill yourself if you <laughs> drink that much water. <laughs> There's a lot easier ways than drinking so much water. <laughs> but uh, so, so you don't drink soda. Do you drink alcohol? So this is all interesting. From zero to 21, never had a drop of alcohol. Mm. And then I dated this girl for four years. And it was like two years before I was 21 and then two years after. And it was like night and day. Mm -hmm. She like introduced me one day. She's like, hey, why don't you drink? It's so weird that you don't drink. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I just, it's not my thing. Mainly because my mom told me it was like terrible. And like my dad died when I was 13. He was 71. He had me at 55. And he was a healthy dude. He mm -hmm. rode bikes. He did everything. Didn't drink alcohol. Didn't do anything like that. So I looked at it and I was like, man, 71, you know, like that's pretty young in, in the grand scheme of life. I want to take care of myself better. So I didn't drink alcohol. Then my girlfriend was like, try, try, try. I was like, fine. I got a, a dry martini because I, I saw it in the movies, saw James Bond. <laughs> I have a, a weird affinity with olives. I just love olives. So I was like, oh, olives, James Bond, this is going to be great. I literally put it in my mouth and I thought I was like, you know, like rubbing alcohol and I spit it out. I was like, oh, it's disgusting. And she's like, okay, what's your other favorite thing in life? And I was like, Coca-Cola. She's like, Jack and Coke. I was like, boom, let's go. Oh, man. I started it took me four years basically to really get into alcohol the first two years i would just drink to get drunk i hated it yeah but it turned me into like a wild man like essentially because of the alcohol i eventually got rid of my girlfriend i was like you know what like this was cool and everything but i it wasn't really just that but it was kind of like an awakening too it was like well you know we started dating when we were 19 that's exactly around the time when like all my sponsors started sending me places yeah and 
you know, 20, like I was like, all right, you know, I can do this. 21, I can drink now. Yeah. And I was like, man, this is going to be unfair to my girlfriend. Just like drag her through this. I don't want to be one of those dudes that cheats on his girlfriend. And he yeah, throws, yeah, breaks yeah. up with her on the weekend and gets back to her on Monday. Just like, you know, so I was like, you know what? I called it. Yeah. And then after that, the next, I don't know how long, which is crazy. Cause like when you don't do something for so long, it's suppressed. And then you start doing it. Then you're like, oh, let's party. Let's do this. So then it's essentially now I really don't drink at all. Like uh-huh. very rarely I'll drink with my friends. I'll drink like one or two beers and I'll cap it there again, caloric intake. So I'm like, oh, if I'm going to drink, I'm just going to take two shots. That's it. You know, cut it there. That way it's like, doesn't mess you up too much. And it doesn't, um, give you like a lot of calories or, and you don't want to be hung over the next day. Cause then when you stop drinking, the hangovers are worse, you know, yeah. cause your body's not used to it. So nothing against it. It's just for, for where I'm at right now, especially with this whole thing. Like I don't see myself drinking for a while. But everyone's well, you know, I'll get drunk with my friends, but nothing crazy like in my early 20s where it was like bottle service at yeah. nightclubs and this and that. And then when you're a pro rider and at the time I was sponsored by DC Shoes, so they would just send us places to be like, yo, we got you at this club, whatever you want. Yeah. It's like, well, you, okay, you guys said whatever you want. <laughs> Me a martini over here. <laughs> not those. I still don't like those. I'm not much of a vodka guy. Are you? Yeah. No. Do you don't drink at all? I haven't drank since 2010. That's awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. Damn, 10 years. That's yeah. Crazy. So Was that um, reason for you or? I mean, just just growing up, I seen the the bad that alcohol mm-hmm. does. Yeah. So it took me a long time to start drinking. The same thing. I was probably in my you know eighteen, nineteen, mm-hmm. twenty, somewhere around there before I even started drinking, and that's when I was going to house parties and stuff right, like right. that. You know, so don't get me wrong; it's cool, it's fun with your with your friends. But then there comes a point where you're like, you start realizing that a lot of people around you are real alcoholics. Like yeah. I could cut it off. I was never like, I guess you could call us like binge drinkers because yeah. I wouldn't really drink Monday through. Th- through Wednesday or something like that or Thursday and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you catch up, you know, but I can turn it off. I can just be like, Oh, yeah. I have to, I have to do a contest. I have to do a video part, whatever. I just stopped. But then you notice your other friends are like drinking daily. And it's like, number one, that's not good for your wallet. Yeah. Like, I don't know. There's not a lot of people like really in my friend group growing up that could afford drinking that often. Number two, not good for your health. And number three, besides like the, you, you like don't feel well, you start looking haggard, you know, like yeah. you start getting puffy and all this other stuff. So it's just, if you're gonna do it, you know, chill. Maybe do it once mm-hmm. in a while. But if you're doing it daily, that's where it starts. And then, getting. ladies, you get that little panza. Don't think that we don't notice. Yo, yeah. <laughs> Not for so, me, bub. so yeah, I I started drinking a little, and then going out to clubbing and things like that. And um, you know, the weirdest thing is, I I got Invisalign probably about twenty three, twenty four ish or so. How old are you? And um, I'm. 35 okay damn yeah. you look young man thank That's, you <laughs> the alcohol yeah. You know? yeah so uh when i went to get invisalign uh they said okay so if you if you want to drink alcohol or soda you have to take it out right. and uh if anybody's ever had invisalign when I you had first it. have it in and take it out dude that's the worst pain and then have to i think put putting it back, it back in, in especially because i would forget it sometimes yeah I remember at the time that i got them i was like 24 25 and i had just dc shoes flew us out to southeast asia for like two three weeks and I lost, I, I took a bunch of trays with me and yeah. I ended up losing them. So I had the top ones from like week seven and I had the <laughs> bottom ones from like week 33. I was like, you know, yeah. some weird thing going on there. <laughs> yeah. So they said that you should, you need to take them out. So I was going out to the club, you know, every Friday, Saturday, whatever it mm-hmm. was, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You would drive then, to Hollywood? Uh, no, 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 no. Just here oh, locally. Local. Yeah. So then I was just like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna stop drinking. Just try it. You know, yeah, just yeah. like you said, I'll oh, just try it. And then that lasted for a week, and I'm like, damn, that's kind of crazy. 
two weeks, a month, and then it just clicked in my head like, yo, you're still going out to the clubs. You're still having a mm -hmm. great time right. hanging out with people. You're not the weirdo that's like, come on, let's go home. I'm fucking over this. Oh, you know, yeah. you're still having fun. Right. So then that turned into two months, three months, and then now I, I'll never drink ever again. I didn't drink at my wedding. This, this I never heard that story from like, like in that way. I've always heard like something bad happened yeah. or something. You're the first person that's just like, you know what? I'm not into it. I can go back and forth because there is something about it. Like you've obviously been drunk before, so you know how to relate, you know, but if you've never done it ever, there is that weird thing where you're like, are you even human, man? Like, you know what I mean? Like at one point you got to try it. I was the same way yeah. with drugs. Like I didn't do anything my whole entire life until I was 30 years old, basically. Uh -huh. Like before that, I tried smoking weed with my friends a couple of times. Did not work. I was not into it. And that was like, I might've been 28, 27, yeah. something like that. And then I started like, I had this like really terrible idea of like all these people that like, I'm like, oh man, you're such a weirdo doing all these drugs. And then one day my friend was like, just try this shit. And I was like, all right, whatever. Yeah. And it was Molly and yeah. it was crazy. <laughs> it was nuts. And then after that, because that one is just like, you have a good time yeah. or whatever. But the one that was crazy, and I, I don't think I'll ever do it again, was mushrooms. Uh-huh. Really? Good? Yeah. Have you done it? No, no, uh, no, no. It's... I've been wanting to. Okay. So I don't want to ruin this for you. Scare me out of it. Okay. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> so if you guys are bored at home, and I know that a lot of people are right now. Go on to my YouTube channel and look up. I vlogged my friend's acid trip. So in this episode, I film Adam, Brandon Began, Connor Keating, and one more of my BMX friends. We hike up to Griffith Observatory and they all drop acid. I never watched it. I've seen it, but I never. Oh, it's dude, I'm gonna really, watch should, it. Like not not because it's me, but there's two videos. There's one that I filmed for my channel, and there's one that I filmed that Adam stole from my channel and then <laughs> put it on his, and then he adds a little bit of fluff to it. Got you. Uh, you should probably watch both, but on mine i vlogged basically the whole thing it was like a 45 minute vlog but it's one of my like better vlogs i think it was like really fun but when i started reading the comments at the time i had never done any drugs so i was like i don't know what you guys are talking about and they're like man you're ruining their trip you're doing this you're doing that and i yeah. was like you guys are crazy I, they're fine like none of them were tripping too crazy like i felt like i talked them off the ledges although at the very end at the time i had this porsche panamera yeah and it was the S, so it was like the bigger leader engine. Mm -hmm. So they're all in the car, and on the way down from Griffith Observatory, I was going hauling ass, and they thought they were literally in a spaceship, because like, have you been inside of the Panamera? No, no, no. The no. center console, uh -huh. all of it is like designed to almost look like like aviation, like it's got n all these nozzles and buttons and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it looks yeah, really yeah. cool. So they're just like later on they were like dude i was tripping so hard i, you, I thought i was in a spaceship and i was like oh okay cool Shit. i definitely recommend it because it's i can't even describe it in the sense of like it's not like a dream it's the most vivid dream you've ever felt in your life because you're still conscious but at the same time things that don't make sense are happening yeah but in your brain it makes sense yeah it's almost like you have this connectedness to the universe that you've never had before yeah so Again, it's almost like an apology to all my friends that had done drugs in the past. Like, it's like, man, now I know what you're talking about. Like, now I really do understand, like, why, like, certain hippie people or people that are, like, more into, like, Buddha or, you know, like, just different things in life that kind of, like, give them feeling and reason. It makes me feel more empathetic towards that. Like, oh, I know what you're talking about. It does feel like there's a greater good. It does feel like we're more connected than we really yeah. are. And, man, try it. Like, obviously, do the, a tiny amount. Do it with someone that knows what they're doing. Hopefully someday it is legalized because yeah. it is a great experience. Like, like from what I removed, the humbling part was like the best part. But also just feeling as connected as, that there's something bigger than us, something that there's like a God or whatnot, like whatever you believe, 
you feel it. It's like, oh man, okay, cool. Things are going to be okay. And you never thought like that before? You just thought? No, because my whole life I was like, I'm never going to do drugs. I'm never going to do shit. And I got to 30 and I was like, oh, you know, I'm 30 now. What the hell am I going to do drugs for? And then my friend was like, no, nah, man, just give it a shot. And I was like, all right, cool. And then I was like, man, you're right. Like never again. It's, and if I do, it would have to be like super, like very well proportioned and stuff like that. And obviously like yeah, with something in my system. But man, changed the way I look at life. There's been a few moments in my life that I can remember. And that's one of them that like really changed the way I look at things and more empathy and just humility. So after that experience, what is something that you uh, that you remember changing? Like, yo, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. Well, I'm, I'm... well drugs, but <laughs> <laughs> just um, I can't pinpoint one exact particular thing that I, I took from it besides like the whole thing. But just when you see a person struggling and they might sometimes lash out at you, it made me feel like, well, I understand why you're lashing out. Yeah. Like, even though they're doing something to you, I can see why. Like, I can see more when a kid leaves me a mean comment on one of my random things and it's like are you really mad that i did this or are you really mad that you know you're in a place in life that you're not happy with yet you know yeah. you i wish i could just be like yo you're gonna get there man yeah and he'd be like what i just told you to go suck suck a dick you know? like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm like no i'm not, not but i get what you're saying bro like yeah i know that's not where you really mean i know that it's kind of like your life sucks right this second you know but things will get better yeah you know what i mean yeah no definitely i i've been trying to navigate that way um because in the past I would do it the complete opposite. You know, someone would leave a bad comment or something mm -hmm. and I would just attack them. And I would do the thing where I would post them, post the screenshot and have all my people attack them. And I'm just like, I Damn. always, when I was like younger, I was always tempted with that, you know, like to do it. And then I always was like, younger me was a little less humble. So it was more like, nah, I don't want this to get back at me. And then like, people are gonna look at me in a bad light. So it was yeah. like me, me, me now it's like no why would i do that to that person you know he doesn't have the p platform or the potential to, to come back at me again i think he's going through a moment yeah it still hurts it's still offensive you know like the reason i was on the keto diet was again i was making all those videos uh -huh. and i wasn't really taking care of myself so i've never been a fat dude or anything like that but i got i have like rounder cheeks if i like drink or if i'm not eating as healthy yeah so kids would just be like oh man what happened to him look at look at fat ass mm. and then they would post pictures of me as a situation you know like oh, the, there's a point yeah, where a situation yeah, yeah. with the jail and came out and he's like looking fat and they would just always do that so i was like you know what even though like it doesn't affect my day-to-day -day, it's like you know I, don't, I just don't want to see it anymore so i was like I'll, I'll do something for my health you know and now thanks to them i'm here you know i i feel better i think i look better so it did help but that's for someone that's well put together and knows they're, like where they're at in life. If you're a poor kid and you're in the fifth grade and you're getting bullied every single day, yeah, you know it's gonna it's gonna hit different. You know what I mean? And that's, I think that's what stems from like when I was really young, I got bullied. As I got a little older, I was more of a bully just mm. to like retaliate. You know, like I wasn't picking on someone, but if someone did something to me, oh, I was gonna come at you. Mm -hmm. And now it's like not worth it. Now it's like, what can I maybe do to help get that situation a little better? You know, like. Sometimes I'll just go add the person and talk shit. Just add them and just see what they're up to and, like, and just like something. And they'll. chances are that they're low-key fans that yeah. might have gotten offended about something. Or someone just doesn't fully understand you. Or someone that just heard something else from someone. And then maybe you can, you know, like, just by having a conversation, be like, oh, you know what? You're not as bad as someone says, you know? Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> crazy story, dude. I, I went to um, one of these old videos of Downstar that somebody did. And uh, I read one of the comments and it was like real nasty comment. And I looked up the guy's name on Instagram. 
So it's like three years ago that he left the comment. And this just happened maybe like a month ago. So I went to, looked up his name and sure enough, it was the same on Instagram as YouTube. So I just went to one of his newest pictures and just liked his picture. Mm -hmm. And so weird, dude. Like three days later, I see that guy start following me. And then he makes a video about downtime with downstar and says like yo you guys got to check out this podcast the downstar is doing you know and it's just i don't know where that dude was in that place and i don't know where i was three years ago or how i was representing myself maybe it wasn't in the most positive light but me taking it that way instead of being negative and you know screenshotting and posting and tagging the guy and having people attack him now he's turned into one of the supporters of the podcast and and that's dope you know four to ten years ago like in that window was where i think the internet was a little more honest like if someone hated you they hated you they said it nowadays you really don't know because a lot of kids know that a lot of people leave you a positive comment so some of them will intentionally leave you a negative comment for you to just read that yeah oh they call you fat so then you go and you dm like what's up man they're like oh man i I just said that so you can get my i can get your attention like i'm a big fan yeah so sometimes you gotta also like look at that like you know to us it's almost like when um, there's a saying that my mom always says is like, cuando tenes culo de paja. So it means like when your ass is made of straw, mm-hmm. anything could catch fire, you know? So like if you feel guilty or a certain way about something and someone talks about it, you're like, oh my God, someone, someone saw my tail or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to them, again, me, someone calling me fat, I was like, oh my God, maybe I am fat, you know? Yeah. And maybe he just said, ah, you're fat and didn't even think about it. Yeah. But to you, it, it was offensive, you know? So then you work on it or again, you can just kind of reach out and be like, wait, what's up, man? And he's like, oh, dude. No yeah. Way. No yeah. Way. So that was a really cool exchange, man. And uh, ever since I've been thinking more positively and and putting that energy out, dude, my my life has changed completely. You know, and it just takes going down down those dark roads and you know navigating mm-hmm. in that negative way because no matter how those situations ended up, at the end of the day, even if everybody was on my side, if if that kid felt like shit, if he regretted it. I'm making the the actions that I did make this person's life horrible. This mm-hmm. person is having a bad day right. right now. And then they have to go home to their, who knows, their mm-hmm. wife, their kids, their family. And then that's going to get spread to them just, just for me being an asshole. Right. You know, it's so easy for me just to ignore it. Especially now with, again, what we're going through right this, this second. There's a documentary that I highly recommend everyone to watch. It's called I Am. It's by Tom Shadiak. And Tom was a producer for Dr. Doolittle, Ace Ventura, all this stuff. So he made close to like $80 million or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And then he was riding his bike somewhere in this area in like Cal- Calabasas, somewhere near here. And he just had an accident where he fell off his bike and hit his head. And he went to the hospital and he had amnesia for like a week. Mm. And then when he came out of the amnesia, he came out with like a kind of like a skewed perspective on things. And he he just couldn't shake this feeling, like this cloudy feeling. And I've been there. Like when you get really knocked out, I sat at like a slight speech impediment for a while. Mm. I uh, every, The world was gray for a while. Like light would hurt. It's like serious. And down the road, I would like to get t- tested for CTE just because, mm-hmm. you know, like concussions and stuff like that. But I do feel that sometimes like I am a little more emotional or a little more like I get a little more depressed sometimes. Yeah. Which I don't remember having that throughout my 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 youth. So... Maybe there's a little bit of CTE there or something like that, mm. but something to look into. But the whole point of his awakening was that when he came out of it and started feeling a little better, 
he wanted to kind of basically give away all his money. Like, obviously, you would be like, oh, man, this guy's crazy. But he wanted to do an experiment and find out what happiness is. Yeah. Right? So this documentary called I Am covers so many different subjects about happiness. But one of the biggest things that I took from it is they looked at people in America, and then they looked at people in South America, and then they looked at people in, in Africa and in China. And they try to see, like, who is the most happy? And what they ended up finding out was that a lot of the people that are the happiest are actually not the richest. Mm -hmm. Because let's take an example. Let's say it's raining and you're in a forest and you have nowhere to go and you're naked for some reason, right? So you're shivering cold and you just feel so alone. And somebody there has a house and they open the house and they welcome you in and they give you like a towel and they put you next to a fireplace. So when you were out in the in the forest, you were at a zero. You were like at a negative, right? You just you just felt so alone, so terrible. When they give you the clothes and the warmth, you're feeling like a ten. You know, you're feeling great, right? So then, what do you do? So now you never want to be in that situation again. Yeah. So you go out and you try to get your own house. So now, let's say the scale goes from uh, one to twenty. Let's just say. So zero, you're in the forest. Ten, you got you were in that person's house. Yeah. Now you go and you buy your own house. Yeah. So now you're at, let's say like a, a 15, right? Well, now you have the house. Now what do you want? Well, now you want another house. And now that you have the two houses, now you want a car. Yeah. Now you got another car, right? From that zero to 10 was a huge gap. From that 10 to 15, there was another gap. But from that 15 to getting to 20, what you think you're going to do, those cars, those houses, those everything will not do it. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, all that stuff has value in numbers. Mm -hmm. And if you're interested in numbers, then your interests are gonna be infinite because numbers never end. But if you only care about like what's immediately what you need and it's um, the, the hierarchy of like needs. So you need like warmth and food and stuff like that. But after that, you don't really need all this stuff. You know, yeah. like I have friends that always tell me like, oh man, one day when I'm rich, I'm gonna do this, this and that. And I'm like, to be honest, if you were rich, you would not be doing this, this and that. Like you, you don't get rich by giving your money away. You get rich by like, hoarding it and stuff yeah. like that you know but that's one of the bigger things that they talk about in this documentary the other super crazy thing about it is that happiness and all that like sadness uh any emotion is really energy right so they do it they did a couple of different experiments one is like all right and this is something i've always focused on during my life is like if you're in your room here like you and your boy right just hanging out as soon as I walk in, I'm usually like very like greeting and like, hey, what's up? And I'm high energy. The energy in the room will literally change. Yeah. It's like in a classroom. That, that was my thing. Like when I would go into the classroom, I would like try and make people laugh. One time I got kicked out, almost suspended because I ran as fast as I could Yeah. Uh, into the door and put my hand out and hit the door with like pretending <laughs> to be my head. And I fell down. I was like, oh, and the teacher got so mad. And but it was just like everybody laughed, you know, yeah. and I just brought that good energy on the other token. Yeah. When you go into a room and everyone's happy and you come in and you're just having a miserable day and you throw your backpack down and you kick something, you can literally feel the energy being sucked out, right? So they did a test. The, the guy, Tom, they put some electrodes to him and then they put some electrodes to a little Petri dish. Mm -hmm. And in that Petri dish, there was just a little piece of yogurt and yogurt has bacteria in it, right? Mm -hmm. So... In those electrodes, they, they plug them in and they they see, they have this uh, the graph that's like going back and forth and like you can see the different waves and I, I forgot the exact like how many micro kilowatts it was going through right yeah yeah 
So they're talking and the little things like this is not really moving much. And they're asking him like, oh, like all these different questions. Like, oh, what makes you happy? What makes you sad? None of it really matters. Then he looks at his phone, right? And it's going off and he looks at it and it's his lawyer. And you could tell that something happened. Like this lawyer might have scammed him or mm. done something. He gets mad. He just starts looking at the phone and you see the thing going like this. The bacteria in the Petri dish can feel the vibe that he put into the room. He can feel the energy, right? So this one is a little, a little more far-fetched, but they took that experiment and then they started looking at things that happened in the world. Mm -hmm. So around the world, there's all these machines that they're, they're random number generators. So they're these supercomputers. And I think there's like five or six of them in the world. So mm -hmm. these do the lottery, these do phone numbers. They do randomized numbers, right? So at any given point, all these are all separate. They have nothing to do with each other. And you can get printouts from them and you can verify that all these random numbers are super random. random. There's mm -hmm. no patterns. The theory is that when there's something super crazy in the world, super tumultuous, that it can affect the energy of the world. Yeah. Well, they were looking at all the numbers and they've never seen anything like this. When they looked up the numbers for September 11th, all the random number generators, when they looked at the printouts, a lot of them had a lot of similarities, the really? exact same numbers. So the theory is that there's so much like heartache and so much like angst and like what we're going through right now. I bet you if they did this test, they'd probably find something similar where all these, all the energy of these people are like bottled up or hurt yeah. or like lost family members or whatever. It's doing something that like you can literally feel like the heaviness of it. So, you know, when people say like, we are human, you know, we are beings of energy and stuff like that and your energy and like, it sounds corny, but it's real. It's, yeah. it's freaking real. You know what I mean? No, like, definitely. Dude, when did you start believing in this kind of, uh, th these thoughts? So I'm, I'm Hispanic. So like by nature, a lot of us are Catholic. So I've always been fearful of God and like, I've not been a good Catholic by any means, but I've always had that in the back of my mind. I don't literally like go out and Bible thump or preach or anything like that, but I do believe in God. I do believe that there is something bigger. I don't necessarily believe in like a lot of the stuff that's in the Bible necessarily, yeah. but you know, like religion in itself is a good, is a good, you know, it, it helps steer people. Like when you're lost, it, it feels good to feel like there's other people that are lost with you, you know, like yeah. misery does like company. Well, it's the same thing with religion. It's like, you want to all kind of feel like part of something, you know, but it's just, to me, it's, it's very narcissistic for us to think that we're the best things on this universe. Mm -hmm. You know, we're the only ones that exist, you know? So I think there has to be something above us, you know, whether it is a deity or a God, an alien, whatever we want to like, whatever you want to kind of like attribute it, there has to be something more than us because everything is just too perfect. Like this just can't happen. Like it just doesn't naturally just like, oh, like, you know, it's cool to believe to an extent about the science, but then there's so much of the science that there's just no, no real proof. No, it's still going on faith, kind of like religion, you know? So you know, I do have a scientific side and I do have a religious side. And then I do have this kind of like other, I guess like it's called spiritualness where it's just kind of like you do believe in the energy and the karma and, and the, the togetherness. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have but you, when it happened, uh, I would say more like in my mid twenties when I started like really kind of like starting to read more and just kind of like trying to find out who I am and what I do in this system and how do I belong? You know, got you. Um, I definitely want to touch on that subject, but before we get away from what you were saying about, you know, being in the forest and being cold and being in a zero, mm -hmm. you know, um, I, I try to talk about that a lot as far as, um, you know, like building your car, mm -hmm. you know, when I first got into the automotive community, 
when I would get a new air freshener, dude, mm-hmm. I would put a new, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with like the squash I, air yeah, freshener. Yeah, yeah, I love those. The, the squash. The blue one, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So when I would get my car, I would get a brand new one. I would put that in, dude. And I would literally drive just to like be in my car, get that smell and just have have those feelings, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so as, as the business started growing, as my opportunities started to grow and, um, you know, I'm able to buy things that I wanted to buy for the car that I've always wanted when I was younger or in my early in my career. But they, what I can do right now will not give me the same joy that like that air freshener Mm -hmm. or, you know, just switching out the springs to eBay springs just to lower the car. Mm -hmm. Those pleasures that I felt at that time, that happiness is so hard for me to replicate now when right. i can just buy all those things and put them on the car and go for a drive it's not going to feel the same way that it did so how, how i feel with like you know money doesn't buy happiness and i i really feel so strongly about that because i'm at that point i feel it i i've gotten to the point where i never thought i would be where i can you know relatively do whatever i want buy whatever i, I want and i thought like yo this is going to be the ultimate happiness i'm just going to have hell of things you mm-hmm. know and it's not true man those feelings that i've had back in the day where i was just learning and growing and you know feeding my craft it's so hard for me to get that feeling now two things on that number one they say money can't buy happiness but have you ever seen anyone sad on a jet ski <laughs> <laughs> that was a danny mcbride <laughs> quote it's like one of the best ones no but on that topic the thing again is numbers infinite yeah you know and happiness in itself is fleeting. And what that really means is that, okay, there's water bottles over there, right? So yeah. as I go to reach for it, I basically know what's going to happen next. I'm going to grab it. I'm going to open it. I'm going to drink some of it, right? So from here to there, it's like your excitement is already building, right? Yeah. And in the moment you already grab it and put it into your mouth, it's like it's already going away. You know, it's like as you're approaching the next stage, the next metric, the next whatever in your life, you almost already see it and taste it and feel it. And that's where the happiness is. But then once you grab it, not so much. I felt the same way like growing up super poor. Like my mom and my brother and I, when I was 13 or 14 at this time, we were living in a one bedroom apartment, all three of us. Like I, I lived in a living room. And my mom and my brother slept in one room. My mom would get up. She would work three jobs. She would make wow. pizza on the side and do all these things that now is the hustle that I have. Like I can't just have one thing. I have to have a lot going or else I just don't feel fulfilled, right? But I would ride my bike every day to school, six miles. Not because I couldn't take the bus, but because I just wanted to ride and you know, it was, I, I, it was cheaper. Then when I was 15, my mom was like, hey, when your dad died, he left us like older Mercedes Benz. Like I can't teach you to drive because I don't know how to, but I think you can learn. So I literally went online and figured out how to drive. Mm-hmm. She took me around with like whatever she knew. She was like, this is the break, this is the gas. You yeah. know, like, I had to learn how to drive stick shift later on by myself. That was that was pretty hard too when you're 15, you know. Yeah. But then after that, I drove me and my brother to high school every single day. And then to pay for gas, I had these two homies that were twins, Paul and Victor, and they would take the bus every day and they live by my house. So I was like, hey, how much you guys pay for the bus? And they're like $1.80 each. And I was like, here, I'll pick you up from school and take you every day. But since I'm doing you the service of you get to listen to the music that you like and whatever, just give me two fifty a day, each yeah. one of you guys. And they're like, oh, bet we got you. So I would get like $5 a day from, because they were twins. So I was 25 <laughs> bucks a week. I, the, the Mercedes that my dad left us was like this 1978 300 CD. So it was a, a coupe 
turbo diesel. Yeah. And back in the day, back in our era, diesel was like 98 cents. It yeah. was cheaper than yeah, gas yeah, yeah, yeah. and lasted way longer. So those $25 lasted me probably like a week and a half. And then my brother and I would just go ride our, like we would not steal the car because my mom knew that we were driving it. She, she had paid insurance for it and it was registered, but I had no license. And from 15 to 18, I drove that car till the wheels almost fell off, never got pulled over. On my 18th birthday, I decided to go get my driver's license. I got pulled over the next day. Nah. You know, one of those things you're taking care of and you're watching, I guess, you know, once you got the license, you're like, yeah, yeah, now you can pull me over. <laughs> but like you're saying, the, the replication of my happiness or anything like that at that time, like I, there's a million things I could do now and it'll never feel as happy as like making it work. Just being like, okay, well, I got $3. Like literally one time coming to Ventura, no, Palmdale, uh-huh. way further. My brother and I took that Mercedes we ran out of gas we had not a dollar left and on my youtube videos now i have a lot of hack videos a lot of the hacks are because i literally had no money and i had to figure out how to do things so two of the hacks that my brother and i came up with when we were younger not not super proud of him but you know yeah. when you're a little kid number one if you go to college junior and you get a famous star at the time it was 99 cents and if you go through the garbage you can find a cup and we just wash it out mm-hmm. and just put ice and get drinks so for two dollars my brother and i would eat lunch and then when we were out in Ventura, or sorry, Palmdale, we ran out of gas at the gas station. So we literally just came up to people and like, hey, look, we're not like poor, poor, but we just don't have any gas money. And people gave us like, ended up giving us like 10 or 15 bucks to make it home. And diesel, it lasted. So, you know, it's one of those things you kind of have to like sometimes figure out on your own. And, you know, now, yeah, I don't think about running out of gas or anything yeah. like that. But there's a part of me that remembers all of that so i'll never not be hungry i'll never not want that work ethic because i never want to lose whatever it is that i'm at in life and not so much about the money thing but just that desire to like keep going and, and always being hungry because the day you like stop and look around and pat yourself on the back and just like oh man i really did it is the day that you're going to lose it because you're, you're going to lose that hunger you're going to lose whatever it was that made you who you are that day you know what i mean okay everybody we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be back in one minute We all know that there's tons of places you can buy your car parts at, but when you really need help, who's in your corner? When you need parts for your Honda, you need to visit HeelToeAuto.com. Since 2002, Heeltoe has built a reputation for service and support. Let me repeat that, guys. Since 2002, it's 2020 right now. That's a long time of experience, man. These social media slingers and copycat web stores can't match Heeltoe's professionalism. Hilto even offers a complete OEM store for all your genuine parts needs, whether it's for show, race, or just a badass daily. Remember that HiltoAuto.com is in your corner. And guys, if you're on Instagram, make sure you check them out at Hilto Automotive. Please, please go to their page right now, add them, and comment that you heard them on Downtime with Downstar podcast. Next up is Downstar. Downstar is the premium leader in dress-up hardware and engine bay accessories. We have all the nuts and bolts for all your screwing and nutting needs. From engine kits, transmission kits, mount kits, clutch lines, brake kits, t-shirts, skateboards, hats, lighters. Damn, we got it all. We we actually have too much, guys. So if you can, please come over and buy some stuff at downstarring.com or check us out at Instagram at Downstar. Make sure you give us a follow. Now, back to the show. Yeah. When is the last time that you uh, experienced that sort of happiness, maybe, that you would have felt when you were younger? I I mean, it's hard to relate on, like, a number basis. But, I mean, sometimes the simplest things, just getting together with my friends or just, like, my girlfriend and I love going to Boiling Crab. 
Yeah, it just, it hell just, yeah. Just makes me super happy. Me and her <laughs> just hanging out, just eating crawfish and shrimp yeah. makes me super happy. Uh, hanging out with Man Cobra, just like FaceTiming him and just talking about some of the dumb stuff we've done throughout our lives and how we're still alive. Because I could have a whole like podcast series on how me and Johnny like been to jail and do all those crazy things, just like trying to have a fun time and just turn into some crazy movie, yeah. you know, like, but I think it's also because like I stayed like a part of me continues to, to like want success and then a part of me also wants to stay grounded and just like remember who i am remember where i came from uh when i get an opportunity i still reach out to my coach from when i was in watts at this school called san miguel mm-hmm. and i'll go and like talk to the kids in that area and like you know tell them that like statistically speaking we're not supposed to be here you know yeah. like when you come from such a terrible area where at one point they did this thing called the 100 nights where they killed 100 people one person per day because of gang war mm. and i literally grew up in that area where like when my brother was 11 or 10 he saw one of our friends get shot in the head with a shotgun and i told him first off like he wasn't supposed to be out i knew when there was gonna be a drive-by in the area you knew there's like a weird vibe in the crowd and like yeah. the, the, the neighborhood uh we were never like homie homies with the gang but it's just one of those things like if you're out there riding your bike and like hanging out with your friends you're gonna know one of them they're gonna be kind of cool with you because they're trying to get you into the gang and i told him like oh, if i feel like the block's hot this week you should probably chill and he was out there riding a scooter and then i remember like it's one of those another one of those vivid memories where you can like see and hear everything but yeah. i just remember the brakes like squealing on a car and then a girl screams like oh my god and then you hear the click, click and then you hear <laughs> And the dude's brain like splattered into the garage. And my brother was just there like pale because I ran out. And I remember my friend was randomly eating chili mangoes and we're both running to the front to see what happened. And my brother's there pale. And I see the dudes in the car getting away. And I told my brother, like, don't say anything when the cops come. And as soon as the cop comes, my brother's like, I saw it all. So they take him in and make him like ID people and stuff. Like, It was crazy. So imagine growing up in that and then your dad dies. And then my mom doesn't speak English doesn't have a job in America, doesn't know how to drive. All she knows how to do is just work hard. So she did whatever she could. She cleaned houses. Like I said, she made pizza. She worked for this terrible printing company that made her, you know, like when you get that junk mail, she made, she assembled all the junk mail. These machines or the conveyors would like mm-hmm. print all this stuff. So she would work from 2 a.m. to 8 a.m., get home just to make breakfast for us, send us to school, with whatever little money she had, she paid for private school for me and my brother so that we weren't in like the shittiest school in that area. And then sleep for a few hours, go and volunteer at the parish to get a discount for our education. Like if you do some certain hours, it would knock off some of the tab. Come back, take another nap, make pizzas during the day. And then my brother and I would deliver them at night. So that's where like my hustle comes from. That's my hustle and then my brother's hustle. He's the same thing. Like whatever I've done in the BMX world, my brother is replicated now in the car world. Like he just works his ass off, figures everything out on his own. Now he's like working on Lamborghinis and Ferraris and all that other cool stuff, you know? Yeah, let's get into that, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Christian again, he right. mentioned that, that yeah. uh, your brother is uh, Man Cobra mm-hmm. on Instagram, uh, Johnny. And then I just remember, I was like, oh, that's crazy because he's working with Sheepy yeah. at, at this time. Right. So uh, I remember, sh- I remember seeing when he started working with Sheepy, and I'm mm-hmm. just like, because he doesn't look like somebody that's in the car industry. So you want to hear something? Growing up, was that my brother was like, like we're very similar, and we're only two years apart, so we used to hang out together, ride BMX together, yeah. do everything together, right? But then 
he deviated more into the music world and yeah. he really liked the rock like if you see my brother's instagram he looks like a rock star like originally like he ramon looked, he looked like now because of his blonde hair but when he had like black gigantic hair he looked like nikki six yeah or, yeah yeah or he looked like more like a someone straight up from my crew it. you know yeah. and growing up like i had like the following because of bmx and like people knew who i was but my brother was always the rock star yeah. but he had no clout <laughs> you know like he, everybody'd be like damn your brother's that rock star dude also my brother partied like one like, yeah so there's this pro skateboarder named, and you're into skate, right? Yeah. So Braden Safransky. Okay. So he's sponsored by Deathwish. Deathwish is notorious for being like the crazy party team. You know? Yeah. And I became friends with Braden, and that dude parties. And one day, my brother, Braden was like, I partied with your brother yesterday. He's like, I partied in my day, but your brother parties. No shit. So that's like a thing. That's, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing and a bad thing. You know, like he's a good time, but he's always had this like larger than life personality. He's, like if you get to meet my brother, he's hilarious. Like, really? Oh, he's a funny ass dude. And then him and I together is really funny. But that's where we get into trouble. Yeah. Because like we start pushing the envelope and doing crazy things, just trying to be funny. And then we have this other friend named Casey. And when we used to all hang out together, it was like Adam, my brother, myself, and Casey. And we're all blasted and have like you know, we just look different, right? Yeah. And people come and ask us if we're in a band or people just straight up lie. They'll come up and be like, I love you guys' band, man. They take pictures with us. Like, it's pretty <laughs> funny. But my friend Casey, Adam used to call him Stock Kit because uh-huh. he was the only one that had no tattoos, no nothing. He was just a stock, stock car. Kid. He called him Stock Kit. I thought it was hilarious. So we would go out and like one of the last times I went out like hard with my brother, he ended up punting a mirror off of a Uber with that guy Casey. And I, I'll never forget, I'm in court and they're reading out like the the deposition yeah and he goes mr john mancuso punts said mirror and then in in the action this is written out <laughs> it says mr paramore holds up the field goal so like my brother punted it and they went like he was like it's good you know what i mean like <laughs> oh man but yeah and so i'll tell you that story i guess i'll, I'll finish that story P- mirror goes flying dude <laughs> owner of uber is inside of uh kfc or no popeyes on hollywood Boulevard. he runs out and sees my brother did he's like you asshole whatever excuse me my brother is pretty intoxicated at this point so is casey and my brother starts running for it now my brother's like six one six two something like that bigger dude i'm five nine yeah and my dude my brother is not athletic at all he can barely do a jumpy jack but he runs for his (laughs) life and the guy is chasing him and it's your blood you know you're not gonna let some dude you know so the guy's like, I'm going to kick the crap out of you, blah, blah, blah. And my brother's like, no, man, I'm sorry, blah, blah, you know, like, <laughs> And the dude is ready, like, cocked to fucking hit him. So I was like, oh, hell no. So I run as fast as I could, and I deck dude. Mm-hmm. And he just <laughs> knocked out cold. There's a cop right there. Oh, no. I look at my brother, and I'm like, don't do it. Don't do it. You're not athletic. And he runs for it. I was like, oh, my God. No, now we're running from the cops. So we run. <laughs> I hit a left. I could have easily gotten away. Yeah. The cop that was chasing me was not fast. Yeah. I would have gotten away. I look over, my brother's already on his knees. <laughs> He's taking his belt off. <laughs> and that's how we went to jail for the very first time. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so dude. shout out to Mancobra. Mancobra has given me many milestones in my life. Never have I gotten a bad grade in school until my brother copied off my test. Yeah. Didn't even change. Like, he, it was like an assignment, right? Yeah. So he was like, I need some help, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, dude. I'll give you this assignment. 
I'm gonna change it a lot. Yeah. But you still have to read it and change it some more, so it just looks like even like my paper was already an A paper. His that I gave him was like a B minus. He just had to change a couple more things. Yeah. He submitted it without changing my name. So the <laughs> teacher was like, "You idiot." So he, I ended up getting a F on that paper because he knew I cheated, which ended up giving me my first bad grade in all of school in college because of him. And then I also went to jail because of him. Yeah, so love Shout him. Shout out to love him, him man. but yeah, yeah, I started uh, I started seeing him pop up on Sheepy's feed and oh, just yeah. looking at him like, wow, this this looks like a guy more that I would see at Warp Tour when I would go to Warp Tour. You know, we would go places and people would like stop him more than like some of my more popular friends. Yeah, like, oh, dude, what's up? Can I get a photo with you? And he's like, oh, I don't know, man, not today. <laughs> <laughs> he, just, he just played it off so well. <laughs> That's dope, man. Um, so then he's working on the Lambos, right? And he's uh, he's actually busting them down like the motors. Oh, and no. that was so, so super impressive to me. So I think my brother, without no influence to him, he's like, uh, I don't even know if I can say it, but it's an autistic savant like there's just the, the gotcha. r word you yeah. know what i'm talking yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah he like at some things when he doesn't care you're like this guy's an idiot yeah but when he cares he's like a genius yeah you know what i mean when after the whole thing like probably like 14 15 after high school looking well, at after high school but after i start i stopped i stopped driving that mercedes mm-hmm. i saved up enough money and we bought this little bmw mm-hmm. and we were driving it to school one day and to this day i've been driving what 17 almost 18 years i've been driving i've only been at one car at fault car accident and it's this one we were driving to school one morning and i so i must have no i must have been closer to 18 i had already turned 18 because i remember i had my license because i remember i told you it was like all throughout that I was yeah, riding yeah, dirty yeah. so i had my license and uh there's these two lights that are very close to each other and they are synchronized right so as we're going through the first it's green turning yellow and the second one is yellow about to turn red but the lady in front of us, when she crossed the first one, she thought that one was red. So she slams on the brakes. And I'm coming in thinking, okay, like that lady's going to keep going. Slam on the brakes, slide into her, bust the E36, gone. And again, super poor. Yeah. I only had liability insurance. I didn't even know how insurance worked. When I yeah. called them and I was like, hey, yo, like I had a car accident. Like you guys are going to fix this, right? They're like, what? No, you got liability. We're only paying for their <laughs> stuff. You're done. And I was like, done? They're like, yeah. And I was like, oh my God. I told my brother, like, what are we going to do? You know, and he's like, mm, we'll check eBay. You know, we started looking eBay because he and I were already very well versed with eBay because we would buy and sell all of our BMX parts okay. to make money to basically buy a better bike, you know? And we bought the headlights. We bought, he figured out this, the bumper support, the bumper cover, all the things we needed. And I was like, well, what do we do with now? And there had been this mechanic that had been our family mechanic since my dad had that Mercedes. So he helped us a lot with stuff. His name was Stefan. Mm-hmm. And my brother really looked up to this dude. And this dude was a badass Mercedes mechanic, except that he had a drinking problem. Mm-hmm. So he had, my dad, I think, was like almost like a sponsor to him and helped him out. And since then, he had quit drinking. But you could still tell like he had like the withdrawals because he would be working on something. He would get the shakes and whatnot. I remember that. And I think my brother just kind of like, res- something in that dude resonated with my brother. And like that kind of got him into wrenching. And then, before I realized it, like I really focused slowly on BMX. I think my brother just got fully into cars mm. and just started working on them. And then uh, I remember him like he had this badass white E36 M3 at the time. It was a 95 one. He had like the carbon fiber hood, carbon fiber trunk, like, he had the whole thing. And in the forum world, he was known as Johnny Scene. Okay. Because he was a scenester. He was like super. Uh, scene is like slang for emo, which is like, you know, obviously emo. Everyone yeah. knows what. So. He started getting big, bigger in the forums, like just um, 
buying and selling parts just everybody knew who he was like in our little area and then i ended up buying which is funny because like later on in life i found like this photo bucket and when i logged into it i saw a picture of the car that i bought and i didn't even realize that like when i was a little kid i looked i wished i could buy this car yeah but when i turned pro for dc shoes like we ended up getting like a nice little bonus so i ended up putting that and like i was also like had an ebay store at that time selling bike parts and selling a crap load with my friend foo from epic bmx which is in westminster like huntington beach and uh he used to be big in the jdm world too Um, maybe you guys know each other but Mm. i'll I'll have to introduce you guys later um he oh sorry through that ebay store and dc shoes and everything i was doing all these hustles i saved up enough money and i bought an e46 m3 okay so this is 2000 so mine was a 2003 Mm -hmm. and it must have been like 2006 2007 you know around that time so still fairly new it was still like the most recent one no no sorry yeah, yeah, it was right before the E92 came got you, out. So got I, you. I still okay. had the E46. Laguna Seca M3. Ooh. And I got uh, gold BBS nice. uh, LSs. Yeah. So it was sick. And then I had a fat DC shoe sticker on it. So people used to always know, like, when I was coming around. And I had a bike rack on it. Yeah. I remember I would go to house parties with my friends that lived in East LA. And at night, we'd get pulled over by cops. And I was like, oh, fuck, they're going to come, like, bust us for, for... And at the time, I didn't drink. So I, I didn't know what they were going to bust us for. But they were like, oh, they're going to bust us. And most of the time, it was, like, to come talk about the car. Like, really? damn, this is badass. Because, like, like, my friend Casey, the guy that was there that night that we got went to jail, he had this little side hustle where he would take people's wheels and refurbish them, like, mm-hmm. really do a good job and, like, polish the lips, oh, cool, get all the bolts cool. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, chromed, yeah. and mm-hmm. just make them look badass. So I remember we painted them Sahara gold, we polished lips, and then I got... I think it was like Nito P0 tires. Like it looks badass. Yeah. And then we went to South America because my mom every few years would like to go visit our family. So when my brother was working at this like mini Cooper shop, somebody came one night and stole the wheels off the car. I was oh, like, so damn. devastated because, you know, LSs were expensive back then. I'm sure they're still expensive. Like any, any BBS product is still probably expensive. And I was gutted. But yeah, he just, I like, like I said, I was so focused on BMX. I didn't even notice that at the same time he was like getting pretty well known in the car world like he he went from like working he had this like window he was like clean windows like for rich people like during the day and then at night he would wrench on people's cars like uh-huh. as a side hustle then one day he decided he was gonna do it full-time from the house then one day he got an opportunity to work for like an independent mini works it was called mini works so they would work on minis and bmws and then from there he conned me into thinking like oh let's start our own shop and i was like all right cool so we started the shop called European Union, yeah. and that lasted for like two and a half, almost three years, and that didn't go so well. Was, yeah. Especially like from my end, where it was just like I wasn't so involved in the business. I was just kind of like the financial backer and just putting money out, but never seeing anything in return. Yeah. I was like, oh. and then he got the opportunity with Sheepy, went there, and then from there, um, he had an- another even better opportunity. And him and Alex were super cool, and like I talked to Alex all the time. I helped them a lot of stuff. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I help them with their merch. Um, gotcha. Obviously, with OSS, I have like a lot of good connections, so I help them as much as I can, and they're, they're killing it right now. Yeah. Like, Sheepy's doing real good. So I know they're cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's in Florida working for 316 Speed, which I'm going to go fly out there pretty soon, like once this is all over, hopefully. Fly out there, so not pretty soon, but when it's over, uh, and help them with like what I can with like branding, merch, and stuff really? like that. Yeah. Oh, very cool, so, dude. kind of comes full circle. You know what I mean? Like the same people that we know in the bm and my brother and i knew in the bmx world coming up now are popular in the car world there's like a lot of dudes i remember were former bike riders you know adam lz is yeah, one of yeah, our yeah. close friends my homie caleb kwambeck is like really dope uh 
my manager at DC Shoes, the guy, the guy that turned me pro for DC Shoes, is Mike Allen, and now he's the vice president at Hoonigan. So just one of those things that as you <laughs> no kind of way. like go through this life, as long as you're not burning bridges, a lot of people you met earlier on <laughs> yeah. now are like, oh man, here's like the key to the bridge. You can cross it. Yeah. But if you burn the bridges, now here's no key to the bridge. Now you're stuck. You know? Yeah. So. It is crazy, man, with um, like alternative sports such as skateboarding, biking, and things like that. It's it's really culture based and those cultures always seem to blend over mm-hmm. into the automotive community. And um, you see a lot of ex skaters, you know, they're doing car stuff. Well, um, one of the dudes I looked up to, like when I got the opportunity to ride for DC was Josh Kalis. Yeah. Josh Kalis always had badass M3s. And then later he started doing, um, I can't even think of the name right now. Was it? Oh, it, was an, it was a page, it was a car page. I forgot what it was called. Him and a bunch of his boys. This is like in the early 2000s. Okay. Oh, it was something Heliclips. Mm-hmm. Do you know what Heliclips is? No. Oh, you should check it out. It was like a skate. And I think it has something to, car, something to do with the car world. But essentially, they were some of the first people to figure out. And them with Brian Scotto from Hoonigan, they all mm. figured out this loop system where if you have popular content and you send it to me, right? And then I send it to another homie and we all share it at the same time. Well, they would trick the Facebook algorithm yeah. to make it viral. Yeah. Excuse me. So Heliclips is one of the sites, and I forgot all the other ones, and Hoonigan was one of them. They all used to work together as a network yeah, to get this content to go viral and make pretty good revenue off that stuff. I think girls now do it too. Like, uh, I know that hot chicks all work together. Like, they'll like, okay, at 5 p.m. I'm posting my picture. Make sure you guys all comment on it. Yeah. So they all comment. So their comments will pay, stay posted. So it's pretty smart when people, like, figure out those kind of, like, little loopholes, you know? Yeah. Uh, you just have to find people that are, are like-minded. Right. And, you and know, that aren't too, like, greedy. Yeah. Are willing in the to automotive community, it's real hard right. to do that. Because a lot of the guys that are doing things like that are the younger generation. Right. And it's really hard to get tapped into them because, especially me being an older guy, you know. But um, I, I've managed to get... Um, you know, build a relationship with some of the younger, uh, popular YouTube guys. And it definitely helps out, man. And I, I look at them as inspiration. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I never look at people like, yo, I'm, I'm older. I've been in this longer. You don't know anything. I know that this is a new time and this is their time. Right. And if I want to stay relevant, I have to see what they're doing and, you know, just, just, uh, try to build my platform like that as right. well. And it's uh, it's definitely helped out a lot versus a lot of the older guys that are just stuck in their mentality where they're doing it right and the new guys are just, I don't know what this YouTube stuff is. And mm-hmm. when guys tell me that, I'm like, bro, you're missing the boat right now. Yeah, because I think we're in the middle generation because yeah. you know, we're not quite in the old one and we're not quite in the young one, but we get to see and you get to play kind of both fields you know, because we're the same way in BMX. It's a very small niche, but a lot of the dudes that run it, some of them are stuck in like the old ways. Some of them are a little more up on the avant-garde you know but mm-hmm. it just depends on like how you relate with every aspect of your inner community you know like like you said if you're cool with the younger kids at some point there's gonna be something that they're into that you posted and vice versa so you'll find that like common ground and you know help each other yeah and that's how a community is built but oftentimes like i experience in bmx is a lot of the older heads or just people that like are bitter or angry or whatever they're just like, no, 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 no. And I think that's just the wrong way to go about it. Like, you know, like there's people that you might not necessarily get along with, but at some point you have to bury that hatchet if you want to be successful, you know, not just because you're like, oh, I see how I can profit off of this, but it just doesn't, it just doesn't feel good to have like animosity with someone or something like that. Like 
And at the end of the day, if, if you do have animosity with someone, it's usually someone you know and someone that you might have like wronged or they wronged you. But it's because like at some point you guys were close. And I feel yeah. like that's when someone hurts you is like when they're the closest, you know? Yeah, when you get the emotions involved. And that's pretty much the only time that I get upset is when my uh, when my feelings get hurt, right. you know? And that'll manifest into, you know, I don't fuck with that car company that vlogger who whoever or whatever and then you know you talk about the story to somebody else and to them it doesn't ah well i mean that's not that big of a deal but then you have to like check yourself like you Mm -hmm. know i can't let my feelings get in the way of this because if people know that the feelings that i have and what triggers me then that gives them the power right to use that against me or whatever so if, if you just like you know remain cool with everybody you know don't put out any bad blood. Even if you don't deal with this certain per- certain person, I would say, you know what? I wish you the best, but right now our paths aren't on the same mm-hmm. the same road. They used to be before, but not anymore. I mean, going back to what I was saying earlier, it's kind of like just like the wavelength. You know, like it yeah. sounds corny to say sometimes, but it does feel that way. Where right now, again, because of where we're at, you know, a lot of people are a little more open to kind of like burying that hatchet or talking about yeah. it because we're all going through this thing together. You know, so it, it is building that sense of community. But I just hope that when we get out of it, it's not like, oh, that that was nothing, man. Like, you ever feel like that when you apologize to someone and you're like, all right, man, I hope like what we just did in private goes out in public. I hope you don't turn around and be like, nah, that guy apologized to me. He's a bitch. You know, like, yeah, but it could. I mean, they could say that, but it's like, yeah. you know, I've had that happen too. I bet. And, yeah, yeah. You know, of course. it's just more of the apology and making things right is kind of uh, taking things off of my shoulders. Right. Yeah. You know? Whatever happened, our exchange, if things didn't work out right, you know, I apologize that things went the way that it went. That doesn't mean you're wrong and I'm right or vice versa. It just means, yo, let's just get past this, you know? And I love to have those conversations, Mm -hmm. but then you can almost tell that that didn't fix it. Sometimes it takes a little more, but as long as you get it off your shoulders, you know, I did the best that I could and that... I'm I'm good with that. There's a harsh saying that says that you can't fix broken glass. You know, like once it cracks, it's kind of over. But yeah. that doesn't mean you can't like eventually mend these relationships to an extent that it's still amicable. And at least it's not awkward when you see someone. Because at the end of the day, everything we do, it's a smaller world than we all think. Yeah. You know, like you're going to run into that person. And what's the point? You know, like at, at that point, it's just like you see him like dab it up, keep it moving. You know? Yeah. If, if you guys really don't like each other that much. If not, you'll remember the good times when you guys were, you know, coming up together grinding together yeah you know, it's, it's cool to have that but yeah we we change different wavelengths different things in life like i you know i think that almost like every two or three years i look back at who i was then and i'm like oh man i, I wasn't exactly happy with who i was then you know yeah. but i'm now i'm building towards something better and like six years before that i was not as happy you know what i mean so you got to keep trying to trying to build towards something i think that's the whole point of our existence is to kind of go throughout this life and just acquire as much information as much like experience and just build like an arsenal of like information experience to then pass down whether it is to your kids or to the next generation whatever let them learn from your mistakes let them learn from your successes and you know i think that will build a better world you know a better future yeah no definitely man um so let's go ahead and get into the uh your your biking career Mm -hmm. can you give me the where that all started at so my brother and i were watching x games and i remember my friend had already like my neighbor so we lived there's a church here and then uh we were two houses over from the church that's where i lived and then across the street from us was the parish so that's 
like when you live in a Catholic area, the parishes are like the cafeteria and where the priests live and all the other stuff. Then across from that was the school I went to. And then to my left was my best friend's house. And then one street, like literally the street. And then the next house over was my other best friend. Okay. So we all lived there. So it was my brother, this kid Alex, and this kid Jesse. And we would all ride like our bikes around. They weren't BMX bikes yet. I mean, they were just like little scrappy bikes, right? And my dad would always take us on these bike rides on the weekends. And I had like this little mountain bike that he had bought me. And then one year we were talking to my friends and we're like, oh man, we saw this thing called the X Games, man. It's so sick. Like we should try it. So they started like hopping around on their bikes and they had... You know, like when you have no money and then like your neighbor has a little more money, they're the rich neighbors. Yeah. You know, like they're like, oh, man, they were rich, man. Their dad bought them a brand new GT. We can't do that. Yeah. Literally, like one of the first bikes we got was like this crackhead had literally stolen like a dyno. He <laughs> sold it to my dad for 20 bucks. So my yeah. dad got it to us and like I would ride this little dyno, but it was like a dyno blaze, which if you know about bikes, it's for girls. So a top tube, you know, on your bike. Uh, the top tube was angled down. Oh, gotcha. Usually that, that means it's like for girls. So yeah. I would ride that and I was kind of embarrassed, but it was like, whatever. It was like my first little bike I could jump on. And later on, my dad saved up and we went to Toys R Us and he bought me this bike called the Royce Union, which I think we might still have it somewhere. Uh-huh. Like just we kept it with my brother. Um, but it was like this clunky, super heavy Toys R Us bike. And I remember riding that thing like it was like the best, like the Ferrari of bikes, you know, just ride around. I would keep it nice and chrome. I would go home and Windex everything, <laughs> just, you know, like when you're a little kid. And then uh, I remember building a little ramp and whatnot. And then my dad died. So then I just basically threw the bike away. I was like, not, mm. not away, but I was yeah. like, I'm never going to ride this thing again. And then I don't know what sparked it, but uh, at some point I was like, you know what? I remember my dad used to take me every Saturday in the morning with my brother to go around the neighborhood. So i like, fine, I'll pick it back up. So I started picking it back up. And then I started really getting into it. And then I remember the X Games, the, it was like one year after the first X Games I kind of seen. And I saw Dave Mira. Mm. And he had just done a double backflip. And I was like, holy crap, that guy went upside down on his bike. This is the craziest thing ever. He rides this thing called a Hero. And I was yeah. like, what the heck is a Hero? <laughs> you know, like this isn't that. Yeah. So later on, I was like, oh, Haro. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things when you like, if you don't hear someone say it and like you're Hispanic or, you, you know, you, you just speak another language, you just, whatever makes sense in your yeah. head. So I was like a hero, you know, but so we, uh, we ended up going on eBay and we saw like the bike that I, we were like, all right, I got to buy one of these. And I bought a Haro back trail. Mm-hmm. So if, if you know much about Haro or, or BMX in the round, like the, the late nineties, early two thousands, it was Dave Mira and Ryan Equist. And those were like the two dudes, you know? And they were kind of like at the time bumpy heads. They were best friends, but then they were, became a little bit of enemies and whatnot. So I ended up getting the back trail because it was a cheaper one on, on eBay. It was a back trail X2. And it was like this really cool blue. And it came with these handlebars called the sledgehammer bars, which I thought was super like smart and like funny. And uh, so that was my first BMX bike. Then we saved up after buying and selling parts on eBay. Like we would basically, it was fraud because we would like pretend we were my mom. We would take her credit cards. Uh-huh. And we knew she had like $40 in there, right? So I'll be like, hey, mom, I'm going to borrow the 40 But she didn't know what was going on. She's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And I was like, I'm going to buy something online or whatever. You know what? I lied. It wasn't even credit cards yet. It was a check. Oh, shit. I had to write a check and pretend it was my mom's. Wow. And I sent it to this dude. And then we bought this this bike for my brother. It was a Dave Mira. It was a, the, it was a red, a cherry red flare. So those are the two bikes that we had. My brother ended up riding that bike. I don't even know how long. Oh, sorry. He bought a blue flare mm-hmm. that one he i don't know how long he brought it for maybe like a week and he got pistol whipped and jacked 
No way. Yeah. So that sucked. So then we sold and bought and sold and bought Shit. more parts until we could save up enough money to buy him another one. So we bought him. That's the red one. So those are the two bikes that we had. So we were riding around and like, if you really know about BMX and you know that those were just kind of like complete bikes, that's like when you start with, that's not really what you like get down on. That's just kind of like what you learn on. So for our age, for our group, it was, it's fine, you know? So we started learning with that. And then I went into high school and then we, my friends and I started kind of like separating because I went to a Catholic school called Verbum Day. My brother was still in middle school. And then my two friends ended up going to like this school called Jordan, which is like the worst school ever. Like, mm. I, like to this day, I don't know how they made it out of there because man, it was like literally like drug dealing in the cafeteria. Like it was, it's wow. crazy. And it's right next to the projects. Like we lived really close to all the different projects. And like one street was Grape Street. One street was like Colonial Watts, which is like the Hispanic gangbangers. Another street was the Pyrus. Like it was like all the crazy gangs were there. So we had to take special like routes in order to avoid them. So you don't get banged on or you don't get jacked like my brother did because he didn't know better. So we go down the wrong block and get pistol whipped and jacked. You know? How old was he at that time? 10. Yeah. God, yeah. Man. 11. Yeah. Something like that. Um, so uh, my mom, like after my first year at that school, it was an all guy school. It was Catholic and you had nothing to do but study. So I was a straight A student. Mm-hmm. And I would ride BMX with my homies on the side. And my mom, my homie would steal his truck from his mom. And she would drive us from Watts to Paramount mm-hmm. to go ride this scare, skate park out there. It's called The Village. Super fun. And I was like, because my dad died, I didn't know what else to put all my energy and all my heart yeah. into. So I was like, you know what? I'm going balls deep into BMX. So I would just like ride every single day and try and get as good as I could. Not even because I thought I was going to turn pro. I just wanted to be really good. And I would have lists. Of all the tricks I was going to learn, like feeble, smith, barspin, barspin feeble, feeble barspin. Yeah. Like, do every combination, every try I could, you know? And my friend, like, he wasn't very good at BMX. And you could tell his mom, like, like made decent money. So she would buy him BMX stuff, but he wasn't really into it. He was just, like, a casual fan that just, like, and he was, like, a bigger dude. But he loved just taking me to the skate park and watching me ride. And he would try to ride a little bit. And it was super fun. And then he, uh, he basically, like, I didn't even realize, like, because we weren't really ditching school because like we were both like really good students. So we can kind of like at, at that school, it was kind of like lax. Like mm-hmm. you can kind of just take off. So we would finish our stuff and just literally go to the skate park. And it's crazy. I haven't even thought about these memories in so long. And I remember again, I'm in an all guy school. So I really didn't have that many interactions with girls yet. Like, like, yeah. like I didn't really know. And I remember I was at the skate park and like, I, I met some girl and I started talking to her and I was like, man, like, talking to girls is not as hard as i thought like you just you just talk to them like they're like 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 a guy yeah. you know like and me and that girl ended up making out in the car later like i don't even know how that it same happened day? that same oh, day shit. like <laughs> I, I just clicked i was like oh maybe i'm good at this you know it's, <laughs> it's that saying like if you fake it till you make it well i think i told her i was good i, was, I don't know good at biking or something and i ended up making out and that was it like yeah. never saw her again there was no cell phones at the time so i didn't even bother trying to take a number yeah. down and then, you know, that same skate parking was crazy i ended up getting catfished by a girl there <laughs> Listen, I met a girl on the AOL chat room. I'm really dating myself here. <laughs> Fucking door goes, you know, like you sign in. And uh, she sent me this picture, and this girl was way too hot. Keep in mind, I'm a Hispanic dude that grew up in an all-Hispanic and black area. I had never even seen a white girl yet in yeah. my life. And in this picture, she was like this cute blonde or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, I was, you know, excited to get home after school every day so I can message yeah. her when I got there, you know, dial up. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, all that funny stuff that people don't even know about. 
Um, so I'm like, I aming her or whatever. And it's like the typical ASL. Remember that? Yeah. Age, sex, location. Yeah. So she was like 15, you know, like or no, she was 16. Cause I think I was 17. Was yeah. Like, like right there. She's like 15, La Habra, uh, blah, 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 and female. And I was like, oh man. I was like, I told her I was like in Paramount. So like that city. Cause if I told her Watts, I was like, she's going to be afraid or something, yeah. you know, like, and, uh, we talked for a year, yeah. like a whole year. So I must have been like 16 and a half and I turned 17 and a half right before I met her. And I remember we like decided to link up at that skate park. And when she showed up, man, damn, she was big, she was big girl. And I'm like, I'm like looking at the picture. I'm looking at her. I'm like, this isn't it. Like, I printed it out, man. I kept it. I was like, oh my God, this can't be right. Yeah, man. And she comes up. She's like, hey, I'm Jacqueline. I was like, oh my God god i was oh, like this is not what i signed up for still made out with her whatever you know like i was a kid it's whatever but we ended up becoming cool and i was like yeah you know you really played me and like this catfish hadn't existed yet so i just you just call it getting played and like there's a meme now and if you saw it, there's like this like black dude and he's chilling with like this huge black girl and he's like i got catfish but she had good weed though you know, like, i felt kind of like him no weed but it just it just felt like that but i don't even know how i got on that dumb story but anyways so started getting better and better at, at BMX. And then this is a funny story. And this story I told in another podcast. So I'll give you like the condensed version. Yeah. So you guys can go check out that other podcast. <laughs> it's on the No Jumper channel. Uh, essentially, uh, when I was at a skate park, I could do backflips. Mm -hmm. Like one, like, and again, super poor, did not have access to like foam pits or anything like that. My yeah. brother and I were just pedaling around this neighborhood in Lakewood one time. We went all the way to Cyprus. There was these dirt jumps. I threw some cushion into the middle of the dirt jump and I decided to learn backflips there. Oh, shit. And I got really, really close and I was like, oh, I think I could do this. So then we, finally, one of my friends, Gary Regano, his dad took us to a skate park that had a foam pit. And I was like, everybody's afraid of it. And I was like, what? I tried to do this shit in, like in, basically in, in dirt. In so dirt, I was like, yeah. I can do this easy. I think three or four tries I did a backflip. No person. way. Perfect. So I was Whoa. like, all right, cool. So I tell my brother, I'm like, we had this old camcorder and he was like all right man you go for it and we're at the skate park called carruthers in bellflower and i'll never forget so it's a bowl that goes up so the bowl starts going down it has a little, little tiny lump and then the, the transition and there's a little bit of cement and then it goes into like just dirt and like a little bit of grass and i was like i'm gonna try backflip into this and i did the lowest backflip you can get away with without hitting your head on the coping like i just yeah barely got it and i did it perfect Whoa. like I, I don't remember exactly if it was like the first try, or the second try, but within one or two tries, I did it. So I was like, hell yeah. So then they knew me as like the backflip kid. And I was nice. like, do the backflip. And I, was like, oh, <laughs> backflip. Yeah. I must have been like, like I said, 17. It was right around the time when I met that girl, that catfish. Got you. So uh, there's this dude at the skate park that had, I had been, I had seen him a couple times and then I had seen some pros and I was like, oh, there's the pros. You know, you yeah. can't go up to them. Can't talk to them. Don't look at them. You know, yeah. they'll know you suck. Yeah. But I could do a backflip. So I was like, oh, I got something on them, you know, maybe. Because yeah. a lot of, at the time, not a lot of people were doing the backflips and stuff like that. So um, I'm riding and they, I was like, all right, it's time. What about the backflip? <laughs> I, I did a real good one. And this guy, he was like, he's probably 45 or 50. He comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, I'm Bobby Brown. And I was like, Bobby Brown? And he goes, not that one. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay. He's like, look, dude, I think you got what it takes. And I was like, serious? Imagine being like some little kid from, yeah. from like impoverished area and someone tells you, you got what it takes. You're like, oh, what do I do? Where do I sign? You know? So this dude is like, I'm going to take you under my wing. So essentially this con man <laughs> for probably 
two years, something like that. He basically made me do all these stunt shows for free, and he would collect like five or seven hundred dollars, something like that, per show. Uh-huh. Never give me anything. Told this company called Access Bikes that he had this dude that could ride pretty good. They would give him bikes. He would give me some of the parts from the bikes, and then he would sell them or give away the bike, you know, whatever uh-huh. he did. And he conned me. And then the funny thing in that podcast I talk about, but. Every weekend after I did a stunt show, my mom was like, is this guy ever going to pay you? And she's like, I was like, no, mom, the way he set it up was that I got to do seven shows first to prove myself. Then after the seventh one, he'll start paying me. She's like, you've done like 15. She's, I was like, oh, but those were, those didn't count. You know, like, so my mom would be like, when's a check coming? When's a check coming? You know? So then fast forward later when I'm actually pro and I started getting like real checks, you know, like I was like, there's a check mom here, you know, like, and they weren't even crazy. Like they weren't crazy, crazy checks, but essentially now that i look back at it when you're sponsored and you're getting like at the at the time like bmx was pretty decently paid now it's very little because like the sport is struggling yeah but at the time when you're getting like six or seven hundred dollars a month from each sponsor it adds up and also like you're your business dude so you know what it's like to make six hundred dollars all profit is not what people think that could be a thousand that could be fifteen hundred dollars in sales just to make 600 clean profit and and even that might be a high number, you know what I mean? Yeah. So to get a $600 check to ride your bike was sick, you know what I mean? So uh, I kind of jumped around there, but essentially, I, like, I figured out this guy was conning me. And one day I decided to go to the factory where those bikes were being made. And I hit up the dude and, and the dude, ironically, his name was Gary Turner. Mm-hmm. Gary Turner started GT Bikes. Okay. And he owned Axis Bikes as a side project. Yeah. And he's like, hey, man, like, you, you got bikes here whenever you need. Like, I know this guy conned you whatever, but... They were kind of like, oh, it's just Bobby. That's kind of what he does. Oh. <laughs> but for them, it was kind of like, well, he brings us these talented kids and, you know, like we'll give them bikes and, you know, spread, spread our company's name. Um, but that company, Axis, like a lot of the dudes that rode for them at an early age now are some of the bigger name dudes that are like on all the X games, stuff like that. So there was something there where like they saw kids that were like decently talented or at least kids that were applying themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> So when did stuff start ramping up that you knew that, uh, you know, this was going to be a career for me? I never looked at it as a career. I think once you go all in on something and it doesn't work, yeah. it feels like the end of the world. And I think that was kind of like my defense mechanism at losing my my father. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I'll never want to put everything into one, yeah. you know, everything into my parents or anything. So I'll split it a little bit, right? So I I looked at like, the field and i was like i see these bmx riders and like the chances of me turning pro are very slim the chances of me turning pro and being really really good and winning contests even slimmer the chances of me doing that and making a career that makes enough money to sustain my life even slimmer so do i want to make that gamble so i always focused on school i had a side business again with my friend foo from epic Mm -hmm. we ran i basically did his mail order through ebay and we did really good there so BMX was always kind of like an afterthought as far as a career goes. You know? Gotcha. So when it really clicked, and you know what it's like, once you get your foot in the door on something, that doesn't mean it's fully running optimally. You still have to like figure it out and navigate. So I wouldn't say it was really clicking until I, I was like 23 or 24. But again, I was already basically done with college. Yeah. I was, uh, I went to Cal State Fullerton and I studied international business. I had this business on the side and then... I really, the only time I really was like, you know what, fine, I'll take some time off to do this, like serious, serious, was when DC Shoes put me on their pro team and like, that was like a significant check. So I was like, all right, cool, fine. I'll, you know, but even then I still had the side hustle. I was still flipping things or doing things. I was like, 
I'm never just going to rely fully on this one thing just in case something happens. And ironically, I've always just like, it was my defense mechanism, but at the same time, I didn't know this, but I had weak knees. Mm. So I ended up blowing my knees so many times and having to get surgery and waiting and not riding. So I never really had like a great season season where I would look back and be like that whole year, I didn't have any injuries or anything like that. It was a, always one thing at the next, at the next, at another injury. So I'm always blessed that I looked at it that way and like, one, had a backup plan. Two, had a backup thing to keep me occupied. When I did get injured, I could run this business or do this or flip this Got or just you. stay busy, you know, because if not, I go crazy. Like going back to the ADD, that's that's where it comes from. And yeah, I remember like 23 through like 27, like for three or four years, I really gave it a little bit more of my time. But again, that's when I started getting injured more. And then that's when kind of like, business opportunities presented themselves and that's when adam and i started working together and that's when we like really took on some shit serious then dc shoes canned their whole Mm -hmm. action sports program like basically cut out females cut out bmx they just they would skate and surf and at that point it flipped a switch i was like oh that check's gone Mm -hmm. you know and at that point it also flipped the switch like oh all these years they use me like a big ass billboard yeah and now they pull the rug i don't have anything yeah right so why not just make ourselves a billboard for ourselves? You know? yeah. So that's when I, we started taking on some shit more serious, made it like a real company, made it a brand, making it a store, doing all that stuff. Basically, like my turmoil of DC, I turned into that, which reminds me of this really good quote that in every disadvantage, there's a seed of equal or greater opportunity. So whenever something terrible happens, you can turn around and just make something even better. And that's what we did with on some shit that like started launching stores, doing all this other stuff because you know, like once BMX, once DC pulled out of not just my life, but from BMX altogether, at the time we were running another brand called The Come Up, yeah. which is basically like almost like TMZ meets ESPN for action sports. And they were going to do this crazy deal where they were going to sponsor everything. And it was like a big deal. And then they pulled it all out. So it was like probably like a four or $500,000 th- decision that they made, you know, like affected 15 pros, affected mm-hmm. the industry, affected all these other things. So when we noticed that, we we're like, well, double down on it. If there's this void, yeah. if we go hard, then we can do something with this, you know? And that's so what we did. At what point did um you and Adam cross paths and what what made it that you wanted to go in business with him? Um because me personally in business, uh my idea has always been, you know, do it as much by yourself as possible and try to keep uh you know any any partners away just because i haven't found anybody that i can just click with like yo you get it let's let's make this happen so there's another saying that says like never fool yourself right but always remember you're the easiest to fool Mm -hmm. so a lot of times the same advice you give someone else you might not necessarily do it for yourself i never really thought that i would get into business to begin with like i always thought like I don't know. I, when I was younger, I was going to school to be a doctor. That's mm-hmm. like originally what I really wanted to do. Wow. But then I realized like when I started going into like the med programs that it would take a lot of time, right? And not that I wasn't willing to do the, the work or I didn't think I was intelligent enough. It was just that I realized like, oh man, if I do all this, then I won't be able to start a family until like I'm well into my 30s or anything like that, right? Well, look at me now. I'm well into my 30s. I could easily have done it if I wanted to. But you know, it's just one of those things where it just didn't feel like putting all my effort into that didn't make sense at the time. Got you. So I never really envisioned even BMX or business or anything like that. That just kind of like happened, right? Same thing with partnerships. Like Adam and I essentially just started working together because I realized that 
I was going to school for business admin stuff like that so i was like oh i can help him with his business it'll be a cool side thing again like another light something to dabble my feet in Mm -hmm. but then as we started working more and more together i was like oh man you need more help with this you need more help with that and it just became like a full-on 100 percent thing like where i essentially was like helping manage him manage our athletes manage our friends like do a bunch of stuff for people that just didn't know how to do it Mm -hmm. and the hard thing with that is that if i go and build you a house right with my hands and you have this house and you live there for the rest of your life, you'll always remember like the house that you built, right? But when you do things that help people and you do things that like you prop them up or you're there, once they're all set up, a lot of people forget you. Mm. You know what I mean? And that that's not just for, for that relationship. That's just for a lot of things gotcha. in life. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes we give too much of ourselves to certain situations and then at the end, like, they don't pan out how we foresaw or foresee. But it's also because sometimes we just like think that a certain way when another person doesn't think that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with that being said, like I have been a part of a lot of different companies with a lot of different partners and partnerships are cool. But the thing is that it's partnership is just like a marriage. Yeah. It's the same thing. You're going to get in bed with this person for who knows how long. And if you look at it, 75% of all businesses fail. I think it's like 85% of them do it in the first like year or so. You know, like it's very rare that someone lasts three. Mm-hmm. And then you got to think like on some shit's 10 years old, the come up is like 12 or 13 years old. So like, the fact that these companies have made it that long is already like cool in its own. Um, but just people change, you know, like, and it's not good, not bad, not anything. It's just after a certain time, like things just go different ways in different directions. But, you know, like it's one of those things where without all those things in my life that happened there, I wouldn't be who I am today. So Definitely. I would not change very much of anything. Like there's small little things I would make adjustments like, oh, maybe we should have gone that direction versus this direction. But we wouldn't be... I, probably wouldn't even be here talking to you today if it wasn't for a different turn or a different dm or a different whatever you know likewise right. yeah so um did you spend time did you live in new york no no so adam started to come up in new york moved to long beach we became friends i lived in lakewood which is right down the street from long beach and we had like similar friend groups and then he was interviewing people for his website and then i was a writer so we became friends like that got you mm-hmm. and then essentially no jumper like that was adam's from the very beginning, I always remember he was like, man, I just want to interview people. I just want to interview really? people. Really? And the, the very first podcast we're done in my garage. That's dope, no man. Yeah. You know, uh, another one of my buddies brought you up, and he said that he used to bike with you mm. back in uh, in New York. Uh, baby food. No, see, there's another Alfredo okay. in, in the East Coast. Really? But he's not, like, he was like a bigger dude. I remember he used to DM me and talk shit to me because he's like, I'm the only Alfredo. No shit. And then I, in my head, I didn't say it, but I was like, well, I'm better at biking than you, <laughs> so I'm keeping the name. But yeah, there's another Alfredo, like, from, Re- yeah, Really? So when people say Adam and Alfredo from back in the day, that was like a whole different click. Got you, got yeah, you, yeah, got yeah. you. Okay. But I've gotten that before. Oh, okay, got you. That's what, so, you said New York. I was yeah. like, nope, not me. Yeah, okay. I thought you spent time out there. I've been there, but never, not, not in that era. Got you. Yeah. So when did you guys open the uh, On Some Shit store? So it was 2000, at the very end of 2013. Let me see, make sure that's right. Six. No, 2012, going into th- 2013. I'm right now like scatterbrained with yeah. numbers, but uh, yeah, it was around like October, November-ish. And again, not something we planned. It was, we were looking for a store. No, sorry. We were looking for an office. Yeah. And we had just taken on our second partner for on some shit because when, we, when the come up was running real dialed, it was like, well, that's kind of like the polished look. We want a edgy clothing brand or whatever. Excuse me. 
the bad thing about drinking soda water. <laughs> it's all good. But uh, so Adam was like, yeah, I kind of want to do this edgy project um, on some shit. And I was like, oh, damn, you know, like, why not run it? So I would help him with like the merch side and stuff like that. But then this guy Rob came into the picture and was like, hey, man, I think you guys have something dope here. I want to help you guys build it. I want to buy part of the brand. I mm. want to be a partner, whatnot. So we did. And that basically was like a catalyst. Like it just, everything ramped up real fast. Cause now it's like, okay, well we got a little budget. Uh, we got like an idea and more direction. So let's do it. So then we we're like, all right, let's look for an office building. We we're looking in downtown LA and like offices started at like 1500, 1800 bucks in downtown LA for like smaller than this room. You know, mm-hmm. we're like, uh, I don't know if like we want to bring in people. And then we started looking at offices that were nice. Those were like five grand. You're like, oh, well, we can't afford that. And then I'll never forget like this really flamboyant real estate agent was like hey i got this spot you guys can just come check out and i was like all right cool he's like it could be an office but it can also be your store yeah and i was like ah oh. and i one of the things i learned early in life like if you're a good salesman it helps with everything a salesman you can talk to girls because you're good at selling yourself you can sell product you yeah. can sell whatever right well as i'm going through that kind of like learning i also realized when you're bargaining with someone the person that has the least to lose is the one that's probably gonna win mm-hmm. so from the beginning i was like i'm not interested I'm not interested you know and he was like come on man the store's like really good what's your budget you know and i was like uh well less than 1500 you know he's like let's see if i can work with that so he writes up this contract and he's like okay here's the deal i can't do 1500 i could do 1800 and i was like i'm not even interested i'm gonna walk and he's like no no, no come back <laughs> so he's like all right well how about instead of you having to pay you know 1500 a month every you know every month of the year what if i give you the first month free uh-huh. and i was like hmm, okay and but i was like when do we move in he was like well you can move in in uh november i was like no no no, i need it sooner so i was like i'm out he's like no, 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 no. all right so by the end of it we negotiated and he was like you know what the first month is free the second month is half off and the third month has a quarter off so it was like scaled up and then that's good for three years and i was like all right bet now, the problem was that I had never had a store before or anything. I didn't know much about it, right? I don't know what got into it. Well, he gives us the date of move-in. And Adam, on the come-up, announces that we're going to have a store. And that the grand opening is like 30 days after that. Yeah. And at the time, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know what went into this whole thing. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> so for 30 freaking days in a row, I worked my ass off. Basically, had to learn like, I had already had some experience of construction and I'm always like pretty hands-on, but like I had to do basically the full thing, get it all dialed up. I don't know how we did it, but in 30 days, me, John Hicks, which is another BMX YouTuber and a couple other homies like got it done. Adam is not a very like hands-on kind of guy, so he didn't really do much, yeah. but we got that thing done. Then like, all right, now it's open. Now what? Again, I didn't have much experience in retail or anything like that. Like my last job prior to that was when I was like 19, uh, working at like Verizon or something gotcha. like that. Like, that was like, I did that on the side right before I left on some bike trips to just get some extra money. But I didn't really know what went into all this stuff. Yeah. You know, so it was a big learning curve very quickly. Um, and it, it, it went well. Like, you know, like it's, we started generating enough income to pay the, you know, pay rent, pay John to help us and whatnot. And then we basically, like we're like, well, this has got to be modular. If it's going to be our office, we have to have like a lot of people coming through so it can make sense. If it's our store, we have to have events. So we had an, a ride every month to try and like bring in traffic mm. to do stuff like that. And then we had the media site, which is the come up 
to basically help all that stuff. So to this day, I look back, I'm like, damn, how do we do so much stuff at that one little tiny place? And then that's where Adam um, essentially, because the first podcast was done in my garage. And then once we got the store, we're like, oh, perfect. We have the office. Now you can do your podcast here. So that'd be perfect. And it was just one of those crazy things where like, we became friends with this rapper kid that was friends with our other our our other BMX homies from like the Midwest. This kid named Tony Maloof that's a filmer for No Jumper. Shout out to Tony. He introduced Adam to this rapper kid, and Adam's like, "All right, I'm gonna interview you." His name is Xavier Wolf. Hell yeah! So that was like one of the very first like, and man, Xavier's one of the baddest ass dudes. You know what I mean? Like super cool, like down to earth. Like that's like a good first person to meet in the hip hop world. Yeah. Because a lot of people after that were not very cool. Yeah. But he is. And he's still one of my good friends and like awesome. Like we did collabs together. We did, you know, events. He would, you know, invite us to his shows um, at the Ham on Everything things. One day, (laughs) this is crazy. I had just bought, it was probably like six months. I had an E30, E92 M3. Sorry. And they were the ones with the keyless entry, right? Well, they had a little glitch where if you walked close to it while walking away, sometimes it would just unlock it. Okay. And we went to an Xavier show, and as I'm at the Xavier show, I get a, cop, a call from the cops. And I'm like, yo, man, do you have a white M3? And I was like, yeah. He's like, where is it? And I was like, it's out. It's in the alleyway by my store. He's like, no, it's not. And I was like, what? Uh. So someone just randomly checked, and the car was unlocked, and they stole the car. But in my car was this one-of-a-kind BMX bike that got stolen. The car they gave me back. Yeah. The bike I could not get back ever. And that thing sucked because, like, I wish they would have stole the car. I had really good insurance on it, so I was kind of fat paid. <laughs> yeah. No, they took the bike, which I could have never get wow. back. So, so that was crazy. But you know uh, what, what's crazy about um, Xavier Wolf is uh, he ended up teaming up with Tuner Evolution yep. to doing their shows. And so did we. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. I saw you guys there mm-hmm. last year. But I saw I saw Xavier Wolf um, in Daytona Beach. 2016 Mm -hmm. right and before then i had seen him at a show and to this day i still can't remember what show it was i don't know if it was like limp biscuit or he opened for some definitely it was probably limp biscuit okay limp limp or fred drers ended up having like some sort of ownership in the team sesh merch i believe so oh like, got you so got like you. i know okay. they're working together so it was probably that because i remember i heard one song and i was like who is this dude oh i found him on yeah, sound, yeah. soundcloud and then i ended up meeting him um at at the show because uh before they start the show everybody has to leave and only one person could stay at the booth and they have to the fire department has to go through and check it out right right so at that time i knew that he was the rapper mm-hmm. and um I didn't know who he was because I didn't listen to any of his music, but I just knew that name because right. I was like such a random name. So I went up to him. I'm like, yo, what's up, man? And we just talked. We talked for like 20 minutes, took yeah. him to the booth and things like that. And then uh, ever since then, dude, I- I've fucked with him heavy, bro. Yeah. Like, There's just some people you meet that you're just like, man, you just have this vibe to you. It's yeah. like super down to earth. You don't, you're not into yourself, like, and, but you are popular and super talented. You know, he's yeah. definitely one of those cool and then dudes. I've just went to so many shows and I'll see him at the show, say what's up, you know, not try to take too much of his time, just right. show him some love and keep moving. But a uh, big shout out to him, dude. Mm-hmm. I, I want to have him on the pod- That'd be podcast. Sick. That was yeah. actually one of my goals for 2019. I did like a, a four people list mm-hmm. early in 2019 and uh i didn't accomplish any of them on there but hey, two, 2020 <laughs> people got some time yeah, might, yeah. you might want to the apocalypse angle like hey bro <laughs> might be the end Let's yeah right game. so uh so then they do that podcast and that starts to blow up so how which, did which, that which is crazy because looking back now like 
it would be like, oh man, like, oh, you, you did Xavier. Well, my other homie, this guy, you should come do him. He's pretty cool. And he, this dude walks in kind of shaggy looking. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And then another dude's walked in and like suicide boys. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, there's this crazy kid that's coming to come in. He's kind of, you know, like he's about to blow up a little pump. And then, oh wow. man, this other kid's coming. He's got red, red braids, little yachty. You know, it was like crazy. Like every yeah. time it was just like, I was like, oh man, this is, I knew, I, I've always known Adam was going to be super successful. Yeah. It's just one of those things where like, we're almost there and then something happens. You're almost there and something, something happens. So then at that point I was like, nah, this is going to happen. And then I think the thing that really tied the, the nice bow was like, uh, so it must've been two, let me do some math real quick. So we're in 20 now. So 2017 was when we moved. So yeah, so uh, New Year's, so like 2016 was coming to an end. Mm-hmm. Our lease is about to end. So that means that we were there three years. So yeah, 2013. So that was like the actual, 2013 was downtown LA and then 16 it expires. So then into 17, I remember my friend Casey and I, uh, Johnny has these friends that used to rent out, so man Cobra, mm-hmm. that rent out fancy ass cars. Okay. I don't know where they get the money from to buy these cars, or whatever. <laughs> but they rent out these super fancy cars of rappers. Yeah. And my brother would do the service on all these fancy ass cars, uh-huh. which is again how he learned how to really wrench on like Ferraris and Lambos. And for Christmas, they were going out of town, so they left my brother a Ferrari. It was a four five eight, a silver one. So uh, my brother was like, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna go hang out with my girlfriend. You want to take the Ferrari?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> so I told my friend Casey, I was like, "Yo, my girlfriend at the time is having a Christmas party." No, sorry. Was it Christmas or New Year's? Uh, it, it must have been like one of the two, Christmas or New gotcha. Year's. I can't remember. Um, but I, may, I have a vlog about it, so yeah. I, I can go and reference that. So I tell my friend, like, let's go to this Christmas party. I'm sure she has like a, a friend that you might want to talk to or whatever. So we go to this party, and I'm always on my phone, obviously, you know, connected to it. And my girlfriend at the time was like super pissed that I'm always on my phone. So she's like, when you come to my house, you better not be on your phone. I was yeah. Like, Fine, whatever. But I've always had this as affinity in case something happens or whatever, but okay fine so i turn my phone put it away we're having fun whatever it's like it, it was new year's because it's about to be midnight so everyone's getting ready for the thing and uh i checked my phone and i had like 25 missed calls and i'm mm-hmm. like oh god damn, i knew it knew i shouldn't listen to her so i check and the first voicemails are like everybody trying to get a hold of me and like adam my friend chris long all these other people are getting getting hold of me yeah there's a break-in at the store mm. everyone's drunk Oh, so shit at their own little event so who has to go the rest the sober the day? one <laughs> i think i had one glass of champagne so i was yeah, fine yeah, so yeah. um so we rip from from redondo beach to downtown la in this ferrari <laughs> and we pull up and at the time at the store in downtown la adam's cat was living there uh-huh. tony yeah this big fat cat and i was more concerned with tony i was like oh man like I, we could replace everything else we got insurance but tony like if he's out that's gonna suck you know and he's old and fat he's not gonna make it he's a house cat he's a house cat and he's in skid row Mm. and uh i just remember getting there and the cops one of the cops like uh we have tony he's fine and i look at him and he has all white hair i could tell you just been holding him you know like so it's cool and then i go in i assess everything and essentially just like a homeless person threw a brick through the window went in tried to take the cash register ran out with it fell onto the cash register never even opened it so couldn't even get the mm. 50 bucks that were in there, you know, because we keep it like a small till. Yeah. And he essentially caused like probably two to $3,000 worth of damages, broke the door, broke the iPad, broke the cash register, you know, just nothing good came out of it for either one of us. You yeah. know what I mean? Except at that point I had it. I was like, we got to get the hell out of Skid Row. Yeah. You know, like 
of course, no little Yachty, little pump. All these people weren't who they were now. They were just still coming up. But I already knew. I was like, no, like we are running a cool brand and like we need to take it somewhere cool. So literally that night, I essentially like because it was like holiday. So we couldn't get like construction or anybody to come help us. So I boarded up the windows. Again, it's in the vlog. So you guys can watch it. But boarded up the windows, got everything like dialed in. And then, you know, scheduled everybody to come fix whatever the repairs were. But that week I was, gonna, I was convinced I was going to find a store. Little did I know moving into the Melrose area was going to be literally like 10 times more expensive than oh, we were paying shit. in downtown LA between everything. But I think that was like the big double down that we did in order to get to where we're at. You know what I mean? Like fake it till you make it kind of thing. You know, I remember like, uh, again, it was like first store and now second store and it was a yeah. big jump. And you know this in business, like big places, big, you know, they need big deposits. Yeah. So not just first and last, last month, they need a, an insurance in case something happens. So I basically got to put up my house. It's like 25 G's we had to put down and first and last month. So it was, it was a lot, but we did it. And then kind of like, I was super nervous about that one. And then Adam did the same thing again. He's like, oh, got a store 30 days from now. We're going to be down. Like, <laughs> Not again. So you can watch every, like, this is when I was vlogging every day or Dope. at least like, so people get to see the whole creation of that store and like how the brand was moving and stuff like that. And then to add insult to injury or to make it even better, I guess, uh, during the grand opening, there's like essentially a mini riot happens, yeah. you know, because some kid came and stole a bike and I'm on the megaphone announcing it while on YouTube live. And I'm like, beat the fuck out of him. You know, he stole a bike. He <laughs> would turn out to be this crazy dude that was on bath salts and he escaped from an ambulance and he was like still wired up with like the EKG things. And he runs up and he's like fighting my homies and fighting my friend Phil and Phil's kicking the crap out of him. And then he comes at me. So I, I sock him once and like the dude will not go down. And I was like, this is a superhuman. Like, and it took like five people to wrestle him down. And then finally the cops come and arrest him. Like, oh, it's just Jason. Like he was, a, he was a junk, you know, junkie, whatever. It was wild. But all that stuff's on YouTube. Fucking Bobby Brown's cousin, dude. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> dude, somebody told me they saw Bobby Brown one day and I was like, oh man, like I, I don't wish him bad, but it's <laughs> con man, dude. Now, before we get off of No Jumper, um, did you ever get to meet Little Peep? Yeah. So a, a lot of the dudes, like, I'm just always kind of like, uh, I'm here for business kind of yeah. thing. So I didn't want to come like, to me, they were all probably up and coming or successful, whatever rappers. So every time I met someone, it was always like, hey, what's up? You know, dap it up, but keep it moving. I didn't really sit around like, hey, what's up, man? Gotcha. Um, and he had, when he had first come to the store, he had just been like featured on, I forgot what what vlog or like what um hip-hop site but they were ta talking about his crybaby tattoo mm -hmm. or one of the tattoos and i remember i was like oh man that is a pretty bad tattoo or whatever yeah. but you know I, I never really had like a full conversation but he was super cool when he would come to the store one of the things i will say though like a lot of the dudes that have come by and it's almost like a weird premonition when i met them i kind of had this vibe that they weren't on the good path kind of mm. thing like every time i saw juice he was like really fucked up peep same thing Fuck. um xxx I, I always had this weird vibe with him whenever i talked to him he was super nice don't get me wrong but it was like there was just so much weight on his shoulders i felt like i yeah. could feel that energy with him you know and like it's crazy how many of the dudes that came by that store are no longer with us you know like mac miller was supposed to get a day in the life or like a vlog two days before he died too like it's just crazy like a lot of the people in that world you know and it's it's a, uh, it's like a weird like combination of things. Obviously, drugs, a lot of gang stuff. It's, it's such a hard thing. But when you meet these people and like you're like, oh, they're super cool and you, you wish them well. But 
a lot of the men, you can tell they're not running with the right groups or, yeah. not, you know, because at the end of the day, it's like people are going to be around you for your success and for like the affluence you bring or the money and stuff. But when it's all gone, they might be gone. And while you're doing the things you shouldn't be doing, they're not going to really advise against it because they don't want to lose their position that where they're at. So a lot of these dudes just need someone to pull them to the side and be like, yo, man, cut it out. You know, like I know Juice is going through it because his dad had just died and stuff like that. So self-medicating is real. And especially when, you know, right before this, the whole fentanyl thing, yeah. like it's just all real scary, you know? Yeah. Rest in peace to all of them. Rest man. in peace to all of these um, men. I, I didn't really get familiar with Little Peep until he passed, you right. know, to me. It was just another little, right? You know, and I right. was gonna get to them whenever they get, whenever mm-hmm. our paths cross, you know, whenever they come up with a song, right? Super popular, or what have you. But when he came out, and then I, oh well, let me just listen to him, like listen to Ben's truck. I'm just like, what is this? This, oh, yeah. this is like my, because I'm really into rap, hip hop, that community. But I also grew up on, like I was saying earlier, Warp Tour, Emo, right? Like that kind of. So music then you as might well. know one of my friends that was actually really close to people is Travis Mills. So mm-hmm. T Mills used to be big in the Warp Tour scene too, and like uh-huh. he essentially is from the Inland Empire, and he was one of the dudes that helped discover Peep. Really, and he got him one of his first record deals. So when he passed, it hit Travis really hard, and like he's one of my best friends, and I knew he went through it, and it's crazy because this is probably like six months ago. I didn't know any of this stuff because like. You know, so one of those things that, you, you know, like, you're not going to just ask one randomly. But I was at his house one day and he had a bunch of little peep plaques. And I was like, what the heck is this? And he's like, oh, man, I helped discover him. So, like, he gets some of the plaques when yeah. he went platinum. So it's super sick to see it. But just super unfortunate, you know, like, yeah. and, it, and it's one of those things where, like, a lot of people glorify death. And, you know, it's one thing to not be afraid of it. But it's the other thing is, like, to just play too closely with it. And I, I don't think he tried to take his life. I think, like, obviously the fentanyl Definitely, was just like yeah. an overdose. Um same thing with juice you know i don't think it was an intentional yeah. thing but you know a lot of kids are really gravitating towards that kind of music or just creating a lot of music which definitely like creates this like affinity with like the the idea of loving to die and all that stuff which when you're sad you know it hits home and stuff but it it's one of those things where it's just dark and i don't know yeah there definitely has to be that the rainbow at the end where you see the guys go through it and then they pull through right you know but we're not seeing a lot of that pulling through and that a lot of that isn't being um publicized on the mainstream it's not hot you know i mean like you said like you're gonna get around to it once you heard that hit song you know but what is a really hit song a lot of times it's not it's not even what the artist wants to make yeah you know it's like oh yeah we got this beat and this hook and you got to jump on it and it'll make you popular and this and that and for a lot of dudes like i think it doesn't really fulfill them you yeah. know like a lot of artists when you meet them i think i always call that the justin bieber effect where they just seem like they're just going through life because they know that the justin bieber that we all know isn't the real one right and a lot of the accolades they get it goes to justin bieber the name but it's not just him it's the yeah. publicist it's the marketing team it's the stylist all these people that create that one dude and sometimes that dude, if you remove all that stuff, is maybe nothing. Yeah. No diss to Justin Bieber. I like his music. You know, so my people will be like, oh, you like Bieber? And I'm yeah. like, yeah, he's pretty I talented. You know them. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, some of his sad songs hit home, you know. But, um, you know, that's why sometimes when you see, like, a YouTuber that's, like, does his own content, like, and, and you really vibe with him, you're like, oh, he really does make everything. And that dude has, like, a different aura yeah. than someone that's, like, created or, like, that's put together by a bunch of people you know what i mean so i don't know i i definitely feel for them because a lot of people like no you're rich you're successful like life's easy it's like no man like 
everybody has like their own hardships. Everybody has their own, you know, it's like one of those things where once you get addicted to the numbers and not so much the money, but yeah. just the numbers of like, okay, well, my last song did 10 million plays. Can I reach that? Once you reach those pinnacles, how the hell are you going to surpass that? Yeah. And one thing I remember now that comes full circle, the dude that got me into BMX is Dave Mira. When I turned pro for DC Shoes, I got to become friends with Dave Mira and go on the road and talk with him. And unfortunately, he took his own life, you know? And that was a combination, you know, and this is not like insider information. This is just my personal perspective on it. But Dave Mira reached the heights of almost anything he did. He was one of the greatest, to this day, BMX riders all around. He, once he kind of like retired from BMX, he became an amazing cyclist, got into boxing. He fought Brian Deegan. I got to go to that event. It was super sick. It was at Ellis Mania, another yeah. former skateboarder. And then he started getting into drifting, or not drifting, a uh, rally car, rally yeah. cross. You know, like, so just a dude that just, like, was in the pursuit of always, like, finding out, like, his limits and becoming the best that he could. And, you know, I tip my hat to people like that because to be number one is the hardest thing you could ever do. Because it's so hard that not, obviously, very many people can do it. Then to sustain that number one, you have to constantly push people down and constantly reinvent yourself. And it's such a big burden. I mean, ultimately, I don't think he ever found any more fulfillment in life and then, you know, took his own life. Yeah, it's sad, man. Um, much love to all those guys. Uh, if you guys have never listened to Little Peep, I would definitely recommend to. Mm -hmm. uh, since everybody's going to be chilling, uh, go to Netflix and watch the uh, documentary, yep. Everybody's Everything. Or I think that that's the name. Yeah, I saw, like I said, my, my homie Travis is in it. Um, he talks about it. And I haven't seen it yet. Oh, dude, but it's just, great. I bet, yeah, yeah. yeah I watched the Travis Scott one recently. That one's good, too. Oh, that one's dope. That yeah. one's really good. We actually watched the the Peep one um, in theater. Oh, really? Yeah, and then mm. I... R.I.P. to those days. Yeah, man. <laughs> right, and, now. <laughs> right now, right? <laughs> and then I had my wife watch it, and she was just like... She was so heartbroken over the whole story and how everything went. You should check it out, dude. Right. It's nuts. But, um, you know, kind of getting away from the topic uh, of people passing away, um, mm -hmm. the impact that they leave behind. Uh, tell me about what it was like the day that you guys had the um, the memorial for X. Mm -hmm. So that was one of those days where you just felt like the heaviness and the vibe. And I remember it just... Anytime we had an event, it, they were always like bittersweet because I had to help or had essentially put them on. I had to basically show face. And then at the time, whenever we would have any little event, like the police would come hound us and be like, hey, man, like what's, you know, what are you guys doing? And we're like, oh, we're going to have a little event. It's not a big deal. The neighbors hated us. So they would call the cops on us. It was just a whole thing. And for this one, I was like, oh, let it rip. We'll see what happens, you know? And man, did we not expect what happened? You know, like, <laughs> So you see the beginning of the video, there was a lot of people, which anytime we had like an event like that, like, and they were building, you know, like the, the event prior to that was Shoreline Mafia. And this yeah. is before people even knew who Shoreline was. And like that one got crazy. It was like a line around like two blocks, you know, and like our area is known for lines when you're on the Melrose Fairfax area. So for us, it was like, all right, well, as long as we keep it wrapped up around the block, the police can't give us too much hardship. Well, the first part of it, like the first wave wasn't a big deal. But then as the day progressed, more and more people started showing up and then people were tagging us and it was going viral. And I just didn't think we understood fully like the grasp of the whole situation. And then, I don't know, probably around like five. Because we started the event early because we were trying to end it early because we were like, all right, that way less people will show. So I think we originally set a time for like three. 
So by five, it was already kind of getting crazy. And I was like, all right, well, let's just get a couple of clips and see how it goes. And by then, when I got on the roof, that's when I realized I was like, oh, damn, this is not going to be what I thought. And for sure, the helicopter starts showing up. I'm um, getting calls from the police. I'm getting calls from like higher up, like deputies and like, hey, man, you're you're going to be facing some da- some fines here if like this gets out of hand. And then I was like, all right, shut the store down, shut it down. That way it doesn't look like it's us. And then people just would not stop coming. And then my phone had never been blown up like that. Like people were like, I see you on the news. You're on the news. Your store, your brand is it's huge. I was like, no, no, no. The opposite. Like <laughs> we're fucked. <laughs> we're going to get screwed. And uh, that's when like we shut it, shut it down. Like we closed everything, turned the lights off. Everybody go home. I'm like announcing it. Nobody's listening. Yeah. They're shaking the store. And I was like, oh, we got to get the hell out of here. Adam made a, a flea for it with his girlfriend, Lena. And like. I was just stuck there. I was like the last one. I was like, damn, I guess the part, the, the, what is it? The captain has to go down with the ship kind of thing. Yeah. And I was like, so I finally like sneak out like through the back. Cause at one point it was like, we couldn't even get out, you know, finally sneak out. And as I'm leaving, I just hear like the, and that's people, they're shooting like bean bags and like tear gas. And I was like, oh man, I grabbed one. I, I collected like the canister. No like, oh, way. Memory. And then the next day, like I had like messages that are like, you're facing a hundred thousand dollar fine and all this other stuff. And like, luckily i kind of doubled down and like was like all right bring it and like they, they didn't ever really do anything after it but um yeah it became a riot like legit riot the other day i was at agx um it's an avant-garde exotics yeah and there was an off-duty uh tactical officer there and it's funny that we were talking about him about what's going on now but this is like 10 days ago now and uh i was like yo you ever been to a riot he's like there hasn't been one in a while and i was like hmm like three years ago he's like all oh, the one on melrose and i was like yeah we kind of started that one it's pretty funny but yeah it was it's like anything like when you look back and you've made it you can like laugh and look at it but when you're in it i was scared i was like again my house was on the line if yeah. like something happened yeah, 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 and someone because yeah. kids were jumping off of the on some ship building into the crowd and crowd surfing stuff like that and they were like man if someone broke their leg or something someone died you you'd be like you million dollar lawsuit you know like so I regret times. not going, dude. It was, no, man. Like, I, 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 anybody that tells I, me that they're like, I was there. I was like, dude, I didn't see. I, I, again, these are the times, those are the days that I black out. I just go into auto mode. And I just get <laughs> shit done. I don't I don't remember seeing anybody there. I was like, oh, you were there? I was like, well, I don't remember. I saw one clip after it. Uh, somebody put it together, and it was with one of uh, X's songs, and it's like the helicopter. I, that's at the end of my video. Really? Yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah. dude. Yeah. That, that's like, I did, yeah, like so dope, man. I had people. That's what's so cool about youtube you know like that video went viral i got a million views in the first day so that was crazy wow yeah but it was like uh, it went i mean i was taking screenshots as it grew it was like yeah. 50 000 70 000, 150 000. i was like oh crap this is gonna go viral and then as soon as it got to 950 it started slowing down yeah. slowing down and then it hit a million and then it's like youtube turned it off they're like all right now it's like at 1.3 you would think yeah. it would do better like when they bring up stuff it would just but there's just so much xxx content out there that you know like it deviates uh, the fans but yeah it was my first ever like million views like i had a couple of videos that were getting there they were like six hundred thousand seven hundred thousand and i was like oh that's gonna hit and then that one did it in a day and i was like oh. you know that's that wild yeah that was crazy and yeah it's but then obviously backlash like anything people are like you guys are making money off xxx i was like dude the event was free we almost got sued for all this stuff yeah. like people don't even realize like how little adsense pays you guys for, pays us as youtubers for anything so you know, like people talk crap, but they don't even really know like the full scale of it. But yeah, man, it was definitely one of the the craziest experiences. Like the whole thing with XXX, I knew like from that first song when I heard it, um, mm-hmm. 
I just knew. I was like, oh, this kid's huge. Mm-hmm. And he was asking Adam to manage him and all this other yeah. stuff. I was like, Adam, you got to do it. Like, this is going to be huge for you, for, for everything. And like, yeah, unfortunately. But super unfortunate yeah. situation, man. Rest in peace. Yeah, rest eggs, in peace. Man. Um, so what is your, uh, what was your best memory at the shop on Melrose? There wasn't one in particular. It was just like the experience of every kid that would come in and just like be so happy to meet you, you know, just to be like, I've seen you, I followed your career, follow your life. I, I know everything about this building, the cat, you know, like everybody there had like an identity and like their own little clout for whatever reason, you know, like somebody was like, like my homie Phil, like he's like a bigger dude and every, everybody that knows BMX like, Oh, you know, Phil, (laughs) I I nicknamed him fireball Phil. Like if you're a real fan, they would be like fireball Phil, you know, like, so it was cool to just create that bond with like, you would go out somewhere like we would just randomly be in Europe or South South America or somebody and somebody would come up to you and be like, yo, I love that video or like this or that. I think that was like the best just to know that something you made resonated. And also we used to print the shirts in my garage. So when I see someone wearing like an awesome shit shirt around the world, I'm like, you know, some of the early ones I was like, I printed that with my hands, like with one hour of sleep that day, you know, like, so it was cool for that kind of thing. Very cool, dude. Mm -hmm. That's dope, man. Um, Did you have like an auto press or it was just like, it was how many, how many colors yeah, it was a was four it? color process um my homie foo from epic hooked it up and i ended up getting it stolen i feel so bad like somebody broke into the store one night and stole like 10 bikes stole the wow. printing press yeah they, they came up and at the time again these were all learning curves you know like now i know fully but i didn't know our, our insurance um had such a high deductible mm-hmm. and so it was like a 2500 deductible and they ended up taking like seven thousand dollars in in product and stuff like that so after everything said and done, we only ended up getting like 4,200 bucks, which you know how that stuff to replace all the stuff, like it was way more expensive. Like that, that screen printer was like seven grand, but yeah. they, they give you depreciation and all sorts of stuff. So you don't, you don't get as much back, but all learning curves. Yeah. So let's get to the, um, the closing of the store. What mm-hmm. was the motivation behind that? And, um, what, what's next for on some shit? Uh, essentially since Adam has a podcast, much like yours here, um, any noise like that yeah. is, you know, starts ruining the audio. Well, they started building this crazy thing next door. It goes three stories yeah. down or maybe almost even four stories into the ground. And it's going to be like a three to five story high rise. I don't know exactly. Oh, gotcha. They're going to put okay. in a 7-Eleven. They're going to do all this other stuff. So it was just a ton of construction and just super, super noisy. Retail is dying, to be honest. And this, now this pandemic will be proof of that because once we come out of it, there's going to be even more places are going to be desolate and just you know people can't afford it you know in that area melrose fairfax is ridiculously expensive our block was dying we were like the only store there's like one other store next to ours and they are basically like on consignment um open kind of random hours so we were the only one generating the foot traffic we were doing everything and it just became so much of a thing and again we never even thought about having stores like this they just kind of like fell into like our brand so our lease was up and it was just like, let's just not renew. Gotcha. And then let's see what happens, you know? And now it's like, as if we're mind readers, you know, like literally the day we shut down 10 days later, the quarantine and all that stuff started happening in China and this and that. Yeah. So now looking back, it's like, well, we made the great decision there. And at the same time, Adam's studio where they do the podcast currently, they got kicked out for smoking weed there too much. Mm. So we have a warehouse. So I just all consolidated there yeah so again one of those things we're looking back now it's like now you're saving so much on overhead that we wouldn't have otherwise so you know blessing disguise yeah hell yeah um i think i made one of the last purchases i I think you told me (laughs) yeah nah you know 
the literally the, the day that I was like tearing everything down and putting everything in the U-Haul, some kid came in and I was selling stuff right there. Oh, and really? I was like, nope, until the very end. <laughs> yeah. Well, not, not because of the money, but because some kid came all the way out and like, um, yeah. I want to make sure he gets a hoodie or something. Like, and I was like, yo, 50% off, whatever you want. He's like, what? And, you know, got a hoodie, Sick. got a shirt. Yeah. So, but you were definitely in the last week. I remember that. Cause you, yeah. you it was the me, day like, before. It was the day before because I remember. But we still kept running it for a few more days. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because again, like, no matter what, you got to think that, especially now with so much content, everything trickles down. So out of all the people that see your post, there's going to be a lot that don't. So yeah. a lot of people just showed up and they didn't even know, you know? Yeah. Um, dude, this has been such an awesome conversation, man. Thanks, man. I, I really enjoyed I, it. I feel yeah. like we can just talk forever. Oh, that's my problem. <laughs> we Blessing a, and a curse. I'll just we need to have a, a part two, definitely, man. Yeah, I'm but, way down. Um, I, I, I wish you the most success with everything Same, that man. you do man uh i get your vibe it, it's dope and Thanks, you're man. just you're just a hustler and i love to see Another hustlers setting, huh? making it happen right? dude and it's awesome thanks man um so before we get out of here um can you let everybody know where they can find you and where they can watch all these videos at because mm-hmm. um i was trying to scroll to the bottom and it took me forever man you <laughs> killed it thanks man i love it yeah so if you want to get a hold of me at alfredo mancus on instagram i'm there constantly like just checking my dms uh, if you want to check out the content, uh, youtube.com slash C slash Alfredo Mancuso. I don't know if you knew about, but it, once you make your uh, YouTube handle, when you're a little kid, you can't change it. Mm. When I was a kid, I loved Disturbed. I love this brand called Terrible One and I was yeah. a biker. So my, my handle for YouTube to this day is Disturbed T1 Biker. <laughs> Pretty embarrassing. I mean, I still, I'm still down with the sickness. So let, <laughs> let Disturbed know, but can't change that. So that's why you got to do the C slash Alfredo and then I'm on Twitter. I'm on everything at the same handle, Alfredo Mancuso. Dope, man. I'll have it all listed below. Hey, uh, I really want to tell you that I appreciate you coming, man. Thanks, man. Um, you, you've kept it real from the beginning. You never, uh, you were never rude. <laughs> Always cool off the bat. Likewise, yeah. And uh, I, w- I was glad that we were able to make this happen. And this is like probably the closest to the deadline it's going to get because sure. we don't know where things are going to be at I, next week. I feel like you did a good job following up, but you must also have a lot of people that bail because like yeah. once I put you in the calendar, I wasn't going to bail, but you followed up so much. I was like, oh man, people must bail on him, especially now with uncertain times. But I was like, you know what, man, if I told you I was going to do it, I'm going I'm to be there no matter no, what. No, dude, even till last night, I was talking with my wife and she's like, oh man, I hope he makes. I was like, yeah, me too. And she said, well, even if he doesn't, you just have to understand. I was like, no, I understand right now. But mm-hmm. there is those people that's like the hour before, like, hey man, I'm not going to be able oh, to make yeah, I'm yeah. like, come on bro you know me like this is this is a side thing that i'm doing i'm running a business right my time is as valuable as yours you know but um with that being said i understand that people are very busy and and uh, me i'm very very big with time and i appreciate you sharing your time with me and hopefully people enjoy this conversation man thanks for the opportunity and likewise like it's rare when you meet people that are you know, you can kind of like already tell them like, you know what I'm talking about? And they're like, yeah, so that's <laughs> yeah. what this felt like. So it's beautiful. Hell yeah, man. Shout out to you and everything that you're doing, man. Uh, everybody, please, please go check out Alfredo. Check out on some shit and uh, check out some of those backlogs of the pot or of the um, of the vlog. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was checking out some. And it, it You'll get dope, sucked man. in, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, I want to thank you guys for listening. I also want to thank our sponsor, Hilltoe Automotive. Make sure you guys check them out on Instagram at Hilltoe Automotive or on the website hiltoauto.com um honda retail site they've been around since 2002 really great people and uh shout out to them and shout out to all you guys that made it this far thank you once again this is downtime with downstar episode 155 and we out peace later